It's refreshment time, folks. After returns and videotapes. Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Do you like scary movies, Sydney? You have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. Don't need a TV. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow. It's the fucking truth. Over 1,600 titles, each for rent at just $2 the first night and only... Finish it. I don't watch TV. Yeah, but you are aware that there's an invention called television, and on this invention they show shows, right? Tonight on Six Ed World. Okay, I want channels 18, 24, 63, 10987, and weather channel. Welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Alec. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of the Frog Brothers Podcast. With you is Justin, myself, and my brother alec cameron west hey alec how you doing tonight good just lighting up this blunt first thing of the podcast right on gonna release some stress yeah with the herbal remedy you know it only way i know how well there's a few other ways but yeah, but I figured jerking off and podcasting at the same time is not the answer. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Please don't do that. I mean... I won't do it again. Like, I, as I always say, <laughs> if you're into Alec and his weird stuff, join his OnlyFans. And he'll podcast and make a special episode just for you, saying whatever you want him to say, for the price of a custom-made video. Hey, so you know what I got in the mail this last week? You actually got mail? Yeah, my stuff that I had four items that were just, like, hanging around in the mail forever. Yeah. I did a live video, so in case you didn't catch the live video, I got my Toastmaster toaster as seen in Ghostbusters 2. So I will be working on uh, modding that this winter to make it uh, dance a little bit. I bet that won't be too hard. Now, there's some people that have done it, so I just got to figure out a way to make it uh, make it happen. I was about to say, what do you need to install? Maybe, like, three pins on the bottom that fire out? Not even that, probably. You could do, like, some something that has to, like, lift it and then retract. Yeah, I think, like, four feet on there would work kind of in there, and I'd have to see what some other folks have done to make it work, because there's, there's probably several ways you could do it, but I'd also want to make it kind of movie accurate, so... I'll review that scene and take some notes on it and see what uh what works. Yeah, rip the actual guts out of it would be cool. And yeah, then, I want to uh, keep the top on there, and then of course, uh, you could have a put a speaker in it so it fucking plays Jackie Wilson. <laughs> yeah, that's not a terrible plan, but I mean, I figure if we have it at cons and stuff for the Midland Empire Ghostbusters, we'll have it uh uh up there with other music and stuff anyway, so that'd be pretty awesome to do, just to turn that song on at the booth and then have the toaster dance. Hell yeah. And then speaking of the Midland Empire Ghostbusters, uh, I went up Sunday to Elwood, Kansas, just outside of St. Joe, uh, a little north of the airport over here, and uh, we put the roof rack on Nick's Ecto-1E, which for our fleet, the Ecto-1M's the original that our founders, Neil and Crystal, have, and... Uh, Midland Empire, so Nick went uh, 1E for his. 
but he was uh, GB2 inspired for his roof rack, so we matched most of the roof rack parts from Ghostbusters 2 on there, and we finally mounted that on the roof. Looks pretty badass. He still has to go get it in and get it wired, but even has the sign signboards on the sides that are pretty kick-ass, so it was uh, pretty impressive, and the thing just looks fucking absurd. Yeah, it looks good. Like, I had... A, I had a moment of, like, just cracking up once I realized, like, how fucking tall the roof rack is. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Because on the 1A, the rear light bar is so high up on the back, but it looks awesome. So uh, I followed him home to make sure nothing came loose on it, and uh, it was it was a trip seeing that. And we stopped at the quick trip to make sure the roof rack was secure, and <laughs> we had a lot of people. We had several people approach us and, hey, can I take pictures with the car? Can I take pictures with the car? Uh, so... I mean, that thing already got attention before, but now with that roof rack on it, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to show up somewhere with it. So uh, the next project Nick and I are going to work on for that is a proton pack rack in the back. And we've talked about it for a while, and we want to be able to fit three full packs in there. So we're going we're gonna to come up with a plan for that here pretty soon. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know if we've talked about it much on here. But every time we get to talk about anybody's Ectomobile, it uh, reminds me of my car, which is white, that I plan to convert into some sort of Ecto Sport, because it's only a two-door. But I'm gonna put yeah. a very I'm gonna put a very minimal style roof rack on there. That'll be very not movie accurate. I might take a little bit from Extreme Ghostbusters roof rack, a little bit from Ghostbusters Two, Ghostbusters, whatever the fuck else I want. Yeah, I think the uh, extreme Ghostbusters and style inspired one would be pretty awesome because you, uh, you you see a lot of Ghostbusters one styled one, and then also Dust in our group has the Ecto Triple D because his initials are DDD, so Triple D. So he's got um, everything started for his Ecto, which is uh, pretty awesome. So we're gonna have a damn big Ecto fleet. Um, I'll probably be one of the only people that doesn't, but hey, if you yeah, got but you'll be riding nice around. Cars, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say, if you got friends with nice cars, I can get some of the other stuff going. If you guys got the whips, <laughs> exactly. As in, as in vehicles, not bondage whips. You sick bastards. Well, I'm all about to be have this car paid off too, so I'll probably just keep it as an Ecto, pretty much, until it shits out completely. We need to do something asinine with yours, though. Like, I want to make yours like. You know, like the fire department has like the battalion chief that rolls uh, up and shit. We should make yours like the battalion chief. That way, you know, when you roll up, you can act like you're in charge. <laughs> that'd be fucking hilarious. You're there for a supervisor or some shit, something like that. Just, I think it'd be funny. Oh god, you need to do a Walter Peck cosplay while you're at it. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about that. I was going to do that at Planet Comic Con because we were supposed to have a panel this last year, and I was going to make an appearance in the panel and come in and shut it down as Walter Peck. Uh, there everyone's like you got a red beard and I'm like god damn it oh, I'll, I'll shut this off shut these all off yeah I'll do it because it's worth it it is but you know that means I'm going to get a briefcase with like actual EPA cards that say Walter Peck mm-hmm. so um, yeah Some it's, it's movie like, accurate ties yeah there's going to be no <laughs> half assing this so and then when William Atherton makes some random appearance somewhere you can meet him Oh, yeah, I can go in there and talk to him again. Yeah. Which we already saw him at FanFest, which is pretty awesome. So Yeah, for sure. Chalk that off the bucket list there, because I don't think he does a lot of con appearances, although you think he would, being some of the movies he's in. Like, he's prime prime for the circuit. Right. 
Speaking of Ghostbusters, so, there's um, you know, these Hasbro Spangler ones are shipping out now. Some of them. A lot of people are pissed about this uh, September 16th pushback on the dates for the Hasbro ones, which you know will come out from two angles. First is the understanding angle. To be slightly disappointed, yes, I get. To bitch endlessly on the internet and be like denouncing Hasbro, get over yourself. Yeah, that's my take on it, right? So I remember building my my full-size pack and just like, and I know there's a shitload of people out there that are planning on putting it on their Spirit Proton packs, and I get it, right? It's it's an easy upgrade, especially if you've already got like a light upgrade kit in there and it's got sounds built in, so. Right, you know, I mean, it's, it's, this, this thing is worth it for the sound packs alone. For a hundred bucks for getting all those sounds in that thing. Like you can, oh yeah. Like your sound kit's probably close to that with shipping anyway, getting one for your wand. Oh. I don't know, but it's probably no, somewhere f- in that range. The full sound kit through G B fans for lights and sounds and everything that you're gonna get on there is is gonna be way more than that wand is. But it's fucking high quality stuff, so Yeah. So and I'm not just that saying the Hasbro it, stuff's not, but the Hasbro stuff though price. is at a hundred dollar price point. So it's going to have real parts, but it's also, you know, predominantly still plastic, molded plastic, except for, you know, they're not molding all the screws and all the extra parts that go on top of that, so. Yep, no, I mean, I've I've seen enough breakdowns, right, between the awesome video that Yes Have Some did with Eric from Ghost Corpse and um, Ghostbusters News. Jason over there did an awesome interview with the... uh, what they call him, the Ghostbusters armorer from the uh, Afterlife movie. Yeah. And I th- I think the other piece of big excitement around this that's, like, causing people to lose their minds is, you know, this is the first Afterlife-branded merchandise that's going to be hitting the market. Yeah. And people are really <clears throat> excited about it. But when you think about it, the fact that they kept the September release date, I mean, they could have said, uh, no, we're going to release this three months after the movie because when you looked at the original movie or release better date... better yet, 1995... Yeah, we weren't even going to be getting this until after the movie release. So now the fact that everyone will have this and people that want to cosplay to movie premieres and events and stuff, they're going to have it early. So two weeks in a year of COVID where we can't go anywhere anyway, not that big of a deal to me. But that being said, I did pick up a second one from Entertainment Earth just because you said you'd snagged an extra one. It's like, man, I'd really like to have that. And I do have two boys, so it's like, ah, man, kind of... If they really stick into this stuff long term, then they could eventually each have one. Yeah. But I do kind of want to just, you know, keep one original for Afterlife, and then the other one I I may kind of modify and make kind of my own thing with it just because it's got all the bells and whistles on it for for that price point, right? It's it's hard to get a wand. I mean, the resin wand kit that was on your pack, your spirit pack that I traded you for, um... That that one kit alone costs more than the price of the Spangler one, so I mean, right. And there's a lot of a there's a lot of metal parts on there already, so um, hard. Like I said, it's hard to beat that price point. Yeah, the only thing about that wand is I uh, might want you to help me fix with it at some point. Is um, the kit that you built is the uh, the barrel from the hand is slightly crooked. But uh, I don't think it's that noticeable to anybody except the person holding it, really. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I noticed that after I'd put it together, and uh, and I think that was just the way I'd uh, hollowed out the uh, 
the channel for it. I think I just, you know, when I was using my Dremel on there, I think I just didn't Dremel it, it to the perfect size or, or or balance it out right there. But that should be a fairly easy fix. Yeah. Especially figured... since that was, that was the one of the first builds I did just as far as just from a kit. So, you know, yeah. after that I did the whole the whole proton pack build from there and all the other mods and upgrades and stuff. So you just learn how to do things more efficient and effective after, after a little of experience. So I don't see that being an issue to upgrade that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Eventually to do all the extreme ghostbusters pack stuff as well, which by the way, I ordered a trend masters, extreme ghostbusters pack off of eBay complete yeah you uh did that ship yet it shipped today hell yeah yeah because you sent me that and you're like hey man look at this and i was like oh man for that price you have to have that well i had been watching it because i you know those usually you'll see an incomplete one for somewhere between 50 and 100 bucks you'll never see a complete one like that on ebay for cheaper than that really um and usually even the ones that you find aren't complete they don't have all three of the little canisters for the plasma rifle or whatever it's called the plaster i think it's called in that package but oh yeah it uh this one's complete it has the fucking hose it's not the hose isn't even bent up like it was when i had it because i was a kid the hose looks like it's in pretty fucking good condition and shit so it's gonna make an excellent uh display piece and honestly just a little bit of a helpful research piece in building a pack like that eventually so yeah so that's pretty awesome that you won that ebay yeah so, like i said i was watching it for around a hundred dollars and then the ship the guy randomly you know when you you can do offers when people are watching it so he sent out an offer for 75 bucks and i was like well shit i was thinking about buying it for 100 if it's 75 i might as well just fucking pull the trigger yeah once you get an offer like that on some stuff you're just like screw it that's actually what happened with the uh, more screen accurate Gibson and Barnes suit I got recently. That was like, I put it to my watch list, and then the seller offered me, um, you know, a, a lower price than that. And I was like, well, shit, man, with that price and everything else, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, sometimes the offers are shit when they do that. It's like a dollar off, and you're like, well, a dollar off of a five dollar package, maybe. But you know, when they're like thirty dollars, and they're like, it offered you twenty nine fifty, and you're like eat my ass <laughs> get out of here with that shit so one last thing on that spangler one so um a lot of people that have packs have like kind of been looking at it or going hey uh you know that v-hook looks way different than most of the the ones other people buy right if you get one from Bennett kent or some other ones yeah gb fans there's there's a lot of those other ones out there that are pretty accurate to the first movie but you know a lot of people have used the dixie cup holder in replacement for that right because a lot of those machined aluminum ones are anywhere between 50 to $60 plus shipping, and you can get a, basically a Dixie Cup bracket for, you know, 10 or 12 bucks shipped. Yeah. So once I realized that, I went ahead and ordered another one, um, another Dixie Cup bracket, and it looks like the, bot- the bottom bracket on the Spangler ones, like the Dixie Cup size. And rumor on the street was, I read this on the internet, and I just said rumor on the street was that production for the new movie used a Dixie Cup style V-hook, so I don't know if we'll see a close-up shot of that or, or what. Who built, but, the, who built some of the packs for the the production? Didn't they use somebody's? Did they use somebody like... 
I know uh, parts, at least, from somebody's... AJ Quick, I know, shipped out a lot of parts okay. up there for that. But he sells pretty much damn near everything you need to, to, to build a kit. Well, yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. Like, when I build a full size, I'm probably going to be getting a good majority of it from him, so... Yeah, and, and there's ways to do it. So the other thing I was going to give a shout-out to, if you're looking for a Dixie Cup uh, V-hook style hook, I ordered from GBHQ Parts Depot on Etsy, and they have a lot of little parts on there that you may find at some places. Um, and for that price point, it was like, oh, man. you know, It was eleven seventy five shipped from GBHQ Parts Depot, so pretty good deal there. Mm-hmm. So I've got a second one of those. And then also, if you're looking for uh, a bracket for your trap, because they pretty much use the same hook system for the traps if you're going to get a belt holder for it. Go for that race dance look. Yeah. And then well, I wanted to touch base on some Hot Wheels cars you may be seeing in stores. So um, I just picked up the mystery machine of this model, um, but it's the, uh, you know, it's like the $5 price point Hot Wheels cars that are, the, what they call the premium cars or whatever, and they're a little more expensive, have a heavier card stock for the card, better art packaging on there, but they've re-released the Ecto-1 that they've done on there several times. Um, it's the same art as before, but they have the newer packaging style on there, so... But they had a bunch of Fast and Furious cars. They had uh, Ecto-1. They had the DeLorean Time Machine and the mystery machine so they've got a good new variety out there so if you collect hot wheels at all or any of those smaller ones definitely be checking out for those and then walmart also had this badass back to the future 2 poster um i think it's poster sized puzzle that comes in a blockbuster style packaging that says blockbuster on it so i was like man for that alone like that's awesome um so nerdy little things like that. I think they also have an office space poster, but that Back to the Future 2 one was like, oh, yeah, got to have that. So mm-hmm. I'd like to take this moment to uh, open my tasty beverage, which uh, today is uh, a Dr. Pepper established 1885, you know, typical authentic blend of 23 flavors. Let's just listen to that. Sounds delicious and refreshing. Now, I myself need to make another run to the market to pick up more RC Cola because it is delicious. It's fizzy. It's refreshing. It's RC Cola. Now, we're recording this a day late, but I, uh, yesterday I had enough RC left and I was planning to do my RC bit, but I had to make it Dr. Pepper today because I ran out and the store I went to didn't have any RC and I was like, what kind of travesty is this? And I started so the car- RC carrying up the place. No, no, the RC but. can you posted online has the newer RC style can art, you know, that is kind of almost Pepsi feeling. But the cans that I bought recently up here had like the retro can style. Mm-hmm. Man, the I box was retro-, retro style. So it's like the, it even oh, says me and my RC it. on it. Nice. Yeah. So that's, it's delicious. I think, uh, for it's, it's a great price point. It's a great cola. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Sponsor us. Make the right call. Make the right choice and choose RC Cola for all your cola needs. So we had a couple. Like, um, what was that? So if you like, you like rum and Coke. You like rum and Pepsi. Nah, I like rum and RC. I'm down. 
I'm hip. I was going to say, we, we, we unfortunately had a, a couple deaths this week in the pop culture arena. Yes, we did. And uh, those are some very unfortunate things. We're not going to touch on them too much because I think at this point everybody's kind of already said better things than we can say on the subject. Kevin Smith said some pretty wonderful things. Uh, they podcasted that night live. They were planning to do it already, but then they got the news, and then the show kind of shifted. But <clears throat> if you want to hear some good words about Chadwick Boseman, I would uh, definitely recommend checking out that podcast, Fat Man Beyond, with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin. All I will say is that for myself, a while back, I got a Black Panther tattoo from the MCU of... Chadwick Boseman's take on the character and the way he brought that character to life man like it just struck an emotional chord with me like how he presented himself and and just that movie was so well done and just seeing the other movies he's been in like 42 uh, Get On Up man it's like we really lost a a special actor there and so just a quick moment of silence for, for him real quick And do you want to mention the uh, the other big loss this week or last I week? Was, I, I was going to say before we moved on, I, I uh, like many others, rewatched Black Panther this week. Um, I, I have a collection of the Marvel films on DC, or <laughs> on Blu-ray, on DC, uh, CD, collect them all. No, but uh, so I rewatched that. Like many people, I'm sure, and I've seen lots of posts about kids with action figures and stuff, and I don't know, it's just crazy how, you know, six years ago, nobody really would know who this guy is unless they were really into actors and stuff. He was a little more, he was still an actor, but he was he was less known. And um, everything everybody says about him that was around him uh, is amazing. He was an amazing dude, and... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have much much to say about that. But we also lost Joe Ruby this week. Um, he was born in 1933. He's associated with Ken Spears. They created the uh, Ruby Spears Production Company, which created Scooby-Doo, Dynamut, Jabberjaw. And uh, they even, at one point, did the animation for the Child's Play and Child's Play 3 animations that were... Uh, cartoons of Chucky for commercials and shit you know so I love Scooby-Doo so that guy's gone that's uh, another loss this week Scooby-Doo is a big part of my life so yeah Scooby-Doo's amazing and it's uh, it's sad to see that but I mean the thing that really blew my mind about Chadwick is that he fought cancer for four years and didn't tell anybody Oh yeah, and that's so unheard of in in the world these days. And like him going out there, seeing kids that he's visiting kids in hospitals while he's also going through his own same fight. Like, I mean, you want to talk about a role model right there? Um, the other piece I would say on there is I watched Get On Up instead of rewatching Black Panther because I I just hadn't mm-hmm. seen it yet. Yeah, and you know Dan Aykroyd isn't there, and obviously we follow Dan Aykroyd on social media, and you know he had an interesting post about it as well, and. Um, just seeing him playing that, you know, because you know, obviously Dan's a huge fan of some of those those older musicians, right? I mean, just look at what the Blues Brothers was inspired by, right? So right. the fact that you you get that in there just makes so much sense. Um, 
but you know he just becomes the character he is and you know he had that ability there and um you know i just hope more people are inspired by him and what he did and and how he conducted himself that you know you know we can turn something bad into something positive and and just people having a role model in their life that they can look up to so yeah <clears throat> on a more positive note Hasbro announced this week their uh, Hasbro Pulse Con September 25th and 26th it's about a month away yep new items on there so word on the street is that Tully's Terrible Night will be up for sale during this con um, they tease basically most of their major brands out there so I'm not sure what else we might be getting yeah, they did um, show the Ghostbusters logo in that commercial for sure. So, yep. Hopefully, there's more than just that. But yeah, I mean, hopefully it's yeah. Even I if will it be okay is, with that. Yeah, Tully's Trouble Night would be fine. The big piece I know a lot of people are wondering, like, oh, you know how how many how many did they actually make since that was originally supposed to be a San Diego Comic Con exclusive? Yeah. And the fact that the Terror Dog has been confirmed to be the same as the Build a Figure Terror Dog, so. I mean, on, on some notes, that's kind of cool because if you wanted a complete Terror Dog, but you didn't want to have to open all your stuff and, you know, you wanted to leave it mint in box, you know, now you're you, going to have one that's completely built. If you want me to be completely honest here in what I think is going to happen? Yes. What are I your would thoughts? say, thinking about everything, the fact that Tully, Tully's Terrible Night, he's packaged with that. That was a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. They're not going to only sell... Tully in that they're not going to make him strictly available in that and not in another line so to me that points to a series 2 consisting of more Ghostbusters 1 action figures but I figure that might if, if that's the case that's just a thought like a random thought I'm having as we're talking about this if they do that I, I presume they will announce that in September if we don't get that announcement here I don't think series 2 will be that but you still might see Tully again later. Yeah, I think, I mean, as long as people support this line, if you look at what they've done with the Power Rangers Lightning series and you look at what they've done with the Black series and you look at what they've continued to do with the Marvel Select, I don't think this line is going to go anywhere anytime soon, assuming people are buying it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know if they'll do Build-A-Figures or not, right? That's that's the one thing. Like, the Black Series doesn't really do the Build-A-Figures, but the Marvel Select does. This first wave is... And, and then, you know, you could really toggle back and forth between Build-A-Figures and non-Build-A-Figures sets. Um, yeah. Because not everything's going to require that. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what this line does. I originally thought that Series 2 would strictly be Afterlife stuff immediately, just mm-hmm. based on the movie release, but now with everything being delayed, it, it's really hard to say what you know what could be coming. Yeah. Um, but I think they really knocked the first line, the first wave out of the park, right? You got the four Ghostbusters, and yeah, we bought those from other vendors before, but they did a good job on it. Packaging's nice. They look great. And then you had Gozer as a Wave 1, Series 1, right? Like, okay... Hell yeah, because, you know, NECA did that back in the day with their terror dog. And four fucking people might have that in the community these days, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm yeah, sure there's plenty of people who have it still from then, but that's way more of a hot commodity. 
Yeah, and the, the going prices for those online, you know, because I think they did. They did They're typically at least around a hundred for those that series. Yeah, at least. Yeah, they did so. a Terror Dog, they did a Slimer, and then they did Gozer. And you know, those look great, but at the time, like I didn't hear about those until like two thousand six or seven on the internet. And yeah. you know, I just wasn't into the fan community online as much then. So, pretty stoked to see what comes out of that, though. And I think. G.I. Joe fans and Transformers fans, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff in there. And then um, Power Rangers was listed on there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what they're doing because they're killing that line too. I know. I just got into it myself. Um, You guys may have seen, like, last week I had gotten all the Zords for the Megazord. But uh, this week I picked up the Walmart-exclusive Alpha 5 and Zordon 2-pack. This came out this week so I was surprised I was able to just find it so easily I had seen uh, I didn't know it was coming out because I haven't followed this line too much but I've recently decided I'm going to try to at least get the Mighty Morphin stuff and that's probably I mean that's that's about as far as I'm going to go but yeah um, and for me like I've, I haven't and if they do movie stuff yet. I'll do that too but yeah I mean that's I mean I'd consider that kind of the same era same line right because those they kept that first acting cast around for a while now it seems like every every well the movie had two of them switched out but still yeah but they'd already done that on the tv show as well yeah so so it kind of matched up with that but i mean i'm talking about the core the base core there of everything else so yeah Uh, they bridged uh, the series that way because when they came back they were the ninjas or whatever Yep, yeah, no, I think they did a good job with that, all things considered. You know, the way they timed the movie with what was actually going on with the footage they are using. Yeah. So, that's uh, that's pretty cool stuff there. I know you said you were looking around for a helmet, some helmets there, and they've got the Red Ranger and the White Ranger helmets out now. Yeah, and they also have, um, I believe they have the Red Ranger's, like, blaster. Or is that just the blaster that they all have, I think, now that I'm thinking about that's it? That's everyone's standard issue blaster. yeah. And then they also have Tommy's Dragon Flute or whatever it's called. Yep. Which I me, imagine like, I imagine they're going to make the Tiger Sword or Tiger Dagger or whatever it is too. Whatever. Saba the yeah. Can't what do they what call him? Saba the Talking Saber. <laughs> I think that's what his name officially was or something like that. I just remember his eyes going red and his like teeth and being like. It's funny yeah, looking. I think he could do do lasers out of his eyes if I remember correctly. <laughs> It's funny. It's always cool. But you know what? Um, oh, I need to get the... There is a... Goldar's already out. And then... I've seen a bunch of uh, Zeds. But oh, nice. there's... Um, there was apparently a Rita and Zed 2-pack. And I don't know. It's probably going for a lot. But I need to track one of those down. Because I definitely need a Rita. Yeah, that's OG right there, man. I used to have... Um, the blue guy... You remember that one? Kind of fat and had bumps on his arms. And he wasn't... Oh, the guy that looked like a fat, angry blueberry? Yeah, what's that guy's name? Shit, I need to uh, I need to get back into that original series now that I'm doing this. And then I'm going to yeah, see how... Rewatch it, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that at some point. Oh, well, I can expose you to this terrible tape that I haven't watched yet. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers like Christmas special. Ooh, nice. Hey, so the first Power Rangers toy I ever bought... Um, was the Finster figure. You know, Finster was Rita's monster maker. Oh, so, yeah. Um, I don't remember. I found that, like, at a Walmart. 
oh man, maybe up in St. Joe or something. Like on my way back from Omaha, Dad and I stopped at a Walmart and I found it. It was the only like Power Rangers figure they had on the shelves. And the weird thing about that, some of those monsters that came out weren't in scale with anything else. They never had any Power Rangers that were like in scale with that monster line. Mm-hmm. Like even the tall Rangers like were just completely different from that. So it was so strange to have. But I remember just being so fucking hyped to finally get something there. Yeah. Uh, pretty slick. Good times. Hey, so uh, we've kind of ran the news a little ways. So do you want to wrap up the news and... I was about to say about I think that's about all I have in news. Um so yeah, we may as well move it on over. It's the mighty Morphin Power Rangers, teenage defenders of Earth. The Power Rangers are driven by the power of the ancient dinosaurs. Lately, evil space aliens have become a real safety hazard. Earth's only hope. The Power Rangers. Oh, yeah? No one can stop us. Just let them try. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Too hot to handle. We have uh, a glorious segment today uh, to discuss a new release movie that I believe you saw in a theater, but I had to purchase digitally and watch at home. Bill and Ted face the music. Bill and Ted face... Face the music. Front row video reviews. With the Stroke Brothers Podcast. Yeah, man, uh, I enjoyed it. Hold on, wait. Music here. Like, somewhere in here, anyway. Alright, what did you, uh, what was your initial opinion and thoughts going into this movie and then right after? How did you feel? Going into it, I had this nervous energy and, you know, it was like, okay, I'm really excited for this movie, but I didn't really quite know what to expect. You know, I'd seen the first trailer. The first trailer was kind of like, eh. I went ahead and watched the second trailer, and you know the second trailer, I was feeling much better about it. So I was like, "All right, let's uh, let's see what happens." I mean, it's a fun movie. I mean, I got to tell you that, and it did a lot of the things that I predicted it would do, in just the uh, way that you know you have. Uh, what is the uh, Wilhelmia and Theodora? For the daughter's names, right? I kind of figured they were going to have something to do with, like, the plot point. And, uh, Billy and Thea, I think is what they call them, though. Yeah, Billy and Thea, yeah. And, uh, let's let's do this right here. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk in-depth about the movie in detail, so if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, probably skip ahead a little bit and uh, don't spoil yourself here unless you want to be spoiled. Yeah. So, Bridget Lundy Payne, that plays Billy... I've seen her on the TV series Atypical, and I really enjoyed that series. It's a kind of a coming-of-age story about a kid with autism, and like she plays the sister on there. So I was like, okay, she's got the chops to be kind of in this in this movie, like you know, because she's kind of a silly character on there, but you see like real character depth, and then um, you know she does a good job on the show as well. So you know, it was easy to see her 
be in that movie. So I was like, okay. Um, and they didn't put the girls in there too much, and, and they did a good job of that, of just finding that balance of like, hey, here they are, and making the story still about Bill and Ted, because I think everyone thought it was going to be like, hey, here's a Passing of the Torch movie. Well, you really wouldn't have called it Bill and Ted Face the Music if it was a Passing of the Torch movie, right? I think they would have named it something different. Um, right. And it, it, it was subtle enough with them, and that's kind of what I thought they would do. I kind of thought that the minute you introduced their children that they were going to be the ones that like wrote the song. And the fact that they just kind of composed the song and like, um, you know, they're like the the conductor of the orchestra per se, right? Which I kind of appreciated because you're able to mix some modern music influences in there, things that younger people might be trying to do music-wise mm-hmm. without just being like, hey, they play guitar just like dad. You know, I liked how they did their own thing. Yeah. And then a lot of the characters in there were pretty funny, man. Like death was a fucking highlight. Like William Sather fucking killed it as death again. Oh, yeah. It was funny, and I loved how like they had like a lawsuit in there and they bullshitted about that. You know that was so much fun. And then Anthony Kerrigan as Dennis Caleb <laughs> was uh, that was one of those characters that like walking out of the movie I was irritated, but after thinking about it and, and talking to you about it and looking back some more, I definitely appreciate what they did with that a lot more than I originally did. So I'm really looking forward to watching it again and. Now that, you know, I've level set, I know what to expect, and just being able to take in all the silly shit there that I may not have noticed the first time around. Yeah. But, I thought I mean, the it's exactly- Dennis thing was really funny because you had just been talking about how Bogus Journey was a Terminator movie, and then yeah, you really so- have, like, their own version of fucking Terminator. Yeah, so, like, I did a hot take on her, uh, on her Facebook page, and I was like, hot take, you know, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is the fucking best sequel in the Terminator series. And I say that because when I rewatched the first two movies in anticipation of this, I realized robot from the future travels back in time, but is successful in killing the people he needs to kill. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh hell yeah. Like, so that was, that was pretty awesome in there. And, and just the way that those movies, the first two movies have nothing you know, they're not like just a rehash of the other one, which is what makes them so special, I think. They didn't be like, hey, we need to travel in time to write a history paper for college. No, I definitely think this movie... This movie captures the energy It is a of legacy sequel to both of those movies together, exactly. Yeah, because they're not just playing on one or two. When two came out, it didn't fucking just rip off the first one. It was its own unique movie, and is often regarded better as the first movie better than the first movie in a lot of people's opinion so <clears throat> the third yeah, one it definitely it does things that the second one did that the first one did still and i'll give you an example of this when i knew i was going to enjoy this movie because you know going into it any new movie <clears throat> that's a sequel to an older movie i'm going to be hesitant about Maybe sure. not Ghostbusters Afterlife, because I, I don't think I have any nervousness about seeing that, just excitement. But <clears throat> I had a lot of excitement for this one, too. A little bit of nervousness, and I was kind of just like, whatever. It is This movie's going to be what it is. So, um, As soon as I realized they were at Deacon and Missy's wedding, I lost my shit with laughter. I was like, alright, this is good. I'm in a good place. They know what they're doing here. I'm just going to... Yeah let that it ride hilarious. now because this is great so the 
I guess the thing that shocked me at the theater when I was saying that right, because, you know, the thing I love about the theater is you're just in there experiencing, it's just like going to a concert, right? You're experiencing something in the moment with other people. Mm-hmm. And that didn't get as huge of a laugh as I thought. Like, the people I went with, like, you know, we had some pretty good laughs there, and I just well, feel like think... some people hadn't rewatched it, so they didn't realize, like, how fucking brilliant that was, because to me that was, like, the fucking perfect evolution of that gag. Yes. It is just an ongoing gag through three movies now, lasting 30 years. It's amazing. Um, I think Bill and Ted has one of those followings where a lot of people just remember them as being stupid kind of surfer stony guys, you know? Like, they like, oh, yeah, I love Bill and those those movies. And they haven't, they're not hardcore fans like we are. So they don't understand that, I don't think, necessarily. Now, I mean, a lot of people do. Bill and Ted does have a hardcore fandom these days, especially among probably people who listen to this podcast and shit. But so let I me think ask that you might be then. what happened there. So what do you think about, like, Kristen... Shaw being cast and Jillian Bell. I mean, what did you think about some of the people that were cast for the new characters in there? How did you feel about them and how they fit into the movie? Um, Jillian Bell is normally way more over to the top in her roles. So her role was fine. Um, Kristen Shaw's kind of way more over the top usually too. I was kind of just accepted it because they're both working in comedy these days. They are both funny but they are both also in popular stuff that I don't care for you know like Kristen Shaw's in Bob's Burgers and I'm not that I hate that show or anything but I just don't watch it I'm not a huge fan of it or anything it has some cool shit in it but you know what I mean that's like I was like oh shit Kristen Shaw's in this I was like okay she's not bad she's funny yeah she's smart I... so I can I can deal with it um so I don't know it, when you think took... back to thinking about the other movies though there's no, like, look at this upcoming comedy celebrity in this movie. I can't think of that. But Yeah, I was, I was going to say, to be honest with you, that took me out of the moment having those two in it. And not that they did a bad job, but to your point, like, they're both so over the top in things I've seen. Like, Jillian Bell, it, like, it's hard for me to think of her in anything besides... Um, I guess you have George Carlin in there. I mean, that's the thing. George Carlin, who do you get, who do you get to replace George Carlin's type of role? Um, yeah, I know. Me? Probably Kevin Smith. <laughs> but I'm a whore yeah, for he, Kevin Smith. Yeah, and I think he could have been fucking awesome in there, right? You know, he could have worn those long fucking silly suit jackets and shit, too. But yeah, well, exactly. I, mean, I, I he, get it. Silent Bob wears the fucking jacket. So imagine if it was just Silent Bob with glasses, basically. But he talked. And like, you know, because he knew George Carlin. I think you get somebody that kind of has that connection to him that you feel like, well, at least that's something. Oh, yeah, I mean, he directed him in Jersey Girl, and he had other cameos and stuff. Dogma. Like, yeah, Jane Silent, Silent Bomb. Strike Bob. Yeah. So, like, he had a relationship there, and I I get that, but you know, it's, it's hard to say how or why. But to me, um, those two definitely took me out of the moment to begin with. Like, Holland Taylor playing the great leader didn't bother me at all. Like, you know, she was fine. You know, you kind of need that, that figure on there. And, and I did like how they didn't immediately reveal that that was Rufus's wife and daughter. Right, yeah. so so they didn't get into that, which is um, I like the George Carlin cameo bit though, where it's just you know kind of his old. Uh, well, at first it's just the old clip from him that they've made look like a hologram, like a hologram thing, 
But then yeah. once they start walking away, you can tell that somebody else did like an impression of him to change it up what he was talking about so yeah they let him trail off like that and that is noticeable to me too which i was like you know you could have just had it we're audio engineers though i think that's us i don't think the average person's hearing that but yeah because like the first part was like legit dialogue that they'd previously used right and and basically were able to remove him and like recreate him in that which i thought was a nice tip of the hat to the character right you know Mm because everyone's probably like what's going on with her well it's just nice to see him again and be like all right we acknowledge that character, and we 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 all really love that character, obviously. So, yeah. Um, the biggest thing missing in this movie to you was what? Station. Yep, me. I totally missed Station, right? And they could have made it some silly, shitty puppet. Didn't have to be CGI, but I really missed Station. I mean, they mention him, but I wish that Death or when they were talking about getting the band back together, you know, because. At the end of Bogus Journey, you see stations playing in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wish they would have done a little bit more of a nod to that. But, you know, I, I get it in the grand scheme of things with characters. And this was extremely low budget. This movie was way under budget from the first two movies. I think it was a $10 million budget in 2019 when they filmed this, right? And if you look at Excellent Adventure, I think the budget for that was like $25 million back in was that yeah i mean you do have to factor in different things like cgi is different than other special effects that were done back then like well, yeah, just cell C- animating is- over the film and then as well as just film cost film cost was a fucking bitch and it's nowhere near like it was <clears throat> yeah, so, but I mean, yeah, I mean, but still, the point stands. can be cheap. Yeah, but when you look at what some other stuff is is costing to make, and then you see this, you're like, for a $10 million movie, like, that was a fucking steal, so... Yep, I'm happy I purchased it and can watch it anytime now. I will add, gladly add it into the rotation of Bill and Ted movies. So now I have three Bill and Ted movies instead of two that I've had my whole life. Yeah, it was definitely a, a fun movie. Um, it was silly. I like some of the music scenes in there. The, yeah, um, the song, the song face the music, sounded like a fucking song you would hear in a Bill and Ted movie to me. Yeah. So the only person that like seemed a little awkward was Jeremiah Kraft, who was Louis Armstrong in the movie. Yes. Um, it just I seemed like they. That. It just seemed like they cheesed him up too much. Like nothing, nothing against Jeremiah Kraft. I think some of that was just the direction of what they told him to do. And when you look back at right, because that whole sequence and part of the plot just harkens back to obviously excellent adventure, mm-hmm. and so to go gather a band through time. Um, you know, some of that stuff felt like it was it was more drawn out than it needed to be, in in kind of getting that. But you're getting a mix of musicians in there as well. So, you know, it, I had fun with that because that was definitely a nice throwback to the original. Like, okay, we're kind of doing this thing, and their daughters are seeing it because they probably heard the stories from their dads before like a million times, right? That's yeah, kind of what you know because especially when they first see the you know, the time-traveling pod or whatever you want to call it, and you're going, oh, okay, that's pretty awesome. And you see the girls see it, and they're not even, like, that shocked about it. They're just like, oh, shit. Yep. Oh, that's going on again. Like, you know, they're familiar with it, right? And they could have done I'm, it like, hey, no, no see, one's... I was just going to say, while you're pointing that out, I really like this part because it, it is a total Bill and Ted moment. And I think I think that's what people are forgetting. Not a lot of people must have rewatched them. 
I, I'm, I'm looking at the comment section on Facebook. I'm, I'm on just the Bill and Ted itself, like advertisements that I'm seeing, you know. And people are like, yeah, it was shitty. It was nothing like a Bill and Ted movie. And uh, it was too stupid. It was unrealistic. I was like, unrealistic? What do you think this is? A fucking documentary? Yeah, and I'm on the same page with that, right? Most people that are saying they didn't like this movie clearly didn't review these movies because these movies are fucking ridiculous. You understand that like, there's two teenagers time traveling to pass their high school fucking final exam in the by first kidnapping movie. people. Yeah. Through time. Yes. And Napoleon is at a water park. And eats that ice cream, you know? Like, there's some dumb shit in those movies in terms of what this is. And it's great. And, um, I don't know, I think people should just lighten up. It's a Bill and Ted movie. Hell yeah, that's that's a huge Lighten up, Francis. Yeah, fucking chill out and relax, man. This movie's funny, it's silly, it's over the top. Like, that's what you fell in love with. But people forget with some of this stuff that... That over the stop, over the top stuff and style that they loved as a kid is nostalgic to them, and the fact that like there's new stuff that is a little bit different, and maybe their tastes have changed. Right? You know, you mm-hmm. may not be watching the most over the top stuff. Right? Teenagers are watching some of the silliest, most over the top stuff. Where young, you know, younger people are. It's like part of that is like when you bitch about this stuff, you just sound like fucking old and jaded. Like this is yes. fun. Was it perfect? No. Is it going to be perfect? No. Would Bill and Ted 3 have been perfect in the 90s? Fuck no. So the fact that we got one of these, and you can clearly tell they're having fun shooting this, like Alex Winter looks like he's having the most fun he's fucking had in years in this movie. And, yeah. like, you can feel that from his performance. And I will Keanu take people's, Reeves, people's notes of Keanu Reeves didn't smile enough in this movie. His performance is a tiny bit underwhelming, but I still didn't really even notice that much. No, and, like, when you look at what he's done otherwise, man, like, you can still tell he's having fun because he's not doing, like, this over-the-top, like, constant shooting and murder shit that he's, like, been known for, right? You know, he's yeah, just kind of going back to a different time, so... Uh, it, it was Keanu, fun. everybody loves that man, and we are two of the people who, um... Yeah, and we're two of them. To quote Independence Day. We're two of them. You know, motherfucking Bill and Ted, Point Break, Speed. That's that's my Keanu. But I, other people's Keanu is John Wick. Other people's is Neo, you know? Yeah, it's like, so, at what point in time did you become aware of this actor, right? Because You ever seen River's Edge? I mean, he's in that with Crispin Glover and Dennis Hopper. It's a late 80s movie. That's one of my favorite Keanu movies. Yeah, people forget that, right? Who else, is, who else have they done that with? Um... I keep seeing that meme going around the internet, kind of same same kind of concept. Like, right, when did you come to know an actor and appreciate their work? Tim Curry is a big example of that, because so many people, you say that name, and someone would be like, oh, yeah, I love Tim Curry from this specific thing. And it's usually something, something different every time. Yeah, for sure. <coughs> but, I mean, the big one is Sean Astin, right? Everyone's like... Oh, mm-hmm. Sean Astin from Stranger Things. And they're like, Sean Astin from Lord of the Rings. And then everyone else is like, our age group is like, no, Sean Astin from The Goonies. And like, I get that he went on to do these other things, but people just kind of go with by what generation me, that they discover. It people. is definitely Goonies, Encino Man, Rudy, 
then he's also in Fifty First Dates. I think of him in that too. Oh yeah, there's people just kind of think of the biggest things or where they they find somebody and like, oh, I appreciate that character. And you just got to realize that everyone's coming from a different spot. So uh, you know, Keanu Reeves in there didn't bother me at all. I mean, in this last flick, I mean, like you said, he wasn't smiling quite as much as he usually does, but. In the grand scheme of things, who cares? He's having fun. You can tell he was having fun. The yeah. movie was fun. Hell yeah. Like, it's good. Yep. I'd say the movie was definitely most excellent, not heinous. Most excellent, not heinous. Yeah, pretty much. One of my favorite lines was uh, <laughs> when they, they're in the phone booth. Which was just great to see. They stole the phone booth. That was one of my favorite bits. As soon as I saw them walk past it and shit, and shit was going south, I was like, "They're gonna steal that phone booth." Oh yeah, I was wondering where and they I was were like, gonna get yeah. the phone booth from with the new pods in the in the trailer, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's fucking brilliant, right? That's a great way. It's a great nod to it." Exactly. I liked. I was like worried that we were only gonna see the pod from the trailer. You know, I was like, I was I was gonna get used to it, but I was like, man, I want to see that phone booth. You know, so we got the phone booth, and that's good. But um, they're sitting in the phone booth at one point, and they're, like, trying to get out of there. And then fucking Dennis, the evil robot, before they realize he's, you know, before he's on their side, kind of, basically. He's trying to kill them, and he's walking towards them, and, uh, um, fucking Bill's like, Hey, Ted, uh, that is most alarming. And just the way yeah. he said it was like, oh, that's total line from... That's what he would say. <laughs> yeah, no, like, uh, you could tell, yeah, that they're feeling that they're in the moment there, right? And it's believable that their characters, like, haven't changed that much, right? You can tell that they've actually gotten better at music, which is funny oh, yeah. by the variety of instruments they play. Like, I got a kick out of that. Oh, that you know, was that so was sick. Fun. That was one of my favorite scenes at the beginning because that is such, like, a modern thing. If you go and look at any bands of... Like, yeah, how many people I've played with that can play weird instruments like that? Like, somebody's like, oh, yeah, I have the bagpipes. Yeah. I played bagpipes like, on this song for us. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're and they're looping shit, too, like that live, right? I can't tell yeah. you how many shows I've been to where, like, there's a random opener that, that does shit like that. They lose a looping pedal and, like, make some shit up, and they do it on the spot, and you're like, oh, that's fun. I mean, because one way to do it would just be simply to use backing tracks. And using a looper kind of makes it fun and does its own thing. So it's like, yeah, if you're into music, there's I'm so personally, much to appreciate in there. I'm personally not a fan of looping stuff live. That's not my thing. But a lot of people do it these days. And so it's just cool to see. And, and the way fucking Bill was singing the, uh, I don't even remember what they called it. It has a technical name, but the, you know, the fucking, oh, I can't fucking do it, obviously, but it's fucking hilarious. I Is lost my shit that song. Whatever they called it, yeah. No, and I think that was awesome about it because they they showcased enough styles of music in there, right? Because you look at the originals, they're fun. They're like clearly playing rock music. And then this just kind of shows like the evolution of that, right? Like music is just so expansive these days. Like, right, you can be into any genre and like just blend it with whatever the hell else you like. And it's easy to do from home now. Oh, yeah. That doesn't make it any better, but, it, you know, like, that just shows that, like, they're aware of, like, where the music has gone. Yet one of my favorite things is, like, when they both start playing guitar at the end, like, right, it wasn't just about the girls because they pick up their guitars and, like, they're a part of that moment um, to fix things. And I did like that concept of 
the realities like crashing and people time hopping. That was pretty cool, stuff. yeah. Like, yeah, that was kind of that was just a fun way to do stuff, and with the technology now to like to to jump those things in and out of there, that was that was fun. Somebody you said know, they saw Genghis Can- Genghis Khan pop up <clears throat> at that yeah, ending I, I concert scene, so I'll have yeah. to take a look for that next time. I, but. I bet there's so many Easter eggs in those people popping in and out. That it, yeah, I you thought really the need to review those. The Mozart part was cool because you know you had Beethoven in the first movie. And it's like, oh, they're sure. probably like, they're probably thinking, you know, writing it, we could bring Beethoven back, but that actor's probably not either around anymore, not doing that kind of work. Maybe he's even dead, I don't know, you know, it's been a while, <laughs> but yeah, they're like, instead we could just do fucking Mozart. Mozart was one of my uh, favorite characters that I got through time, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was, it was well done, it was fun, like there's nothing... There's nothing in there that I was like, "Oh man, this movie's trash." No, this is this is supposed to be silly, fun, mindless entertainment. And they did. You know a good what's actually funny it. is, um, here's my only, here's my biggest critique, my biggest hot take of the movie. Uh, fuck it, is it Thea? Yeah, Thea did a better job playing Ted. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, she played a better Ted than Keanu did. She had the mannerisms down from the first two movies and everything. Yeah, uh, I I listened to an interesting interview, and I'm I can't remember who the hell had them on, but there maybe it was an article I read, but it was just both of those girls talking about like trying to watch the movies to get the mannerisms down to figure it out, but also kind of make them their own. And so, like, they kind of got that goofy California thing. Like, you can clearly tell, like, the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree, which I appreciated, right? Because it wasn't, it wasn't just blatant impersonations, which some people probably argue otherwise. But you got, you got to have more subtlety than that. You know, you got to, yeah, you got to see these actors in other movies to realize what they're capable of to see them come in and do that, right? Because. Yeah, it's easy to impersonate that, and like we can kind of impersonate Bill and Ted, but to get the mannerisms down, like you know, that takes a fair amount of fucking work to do that, and to kind of make it your own, right? Um, because they were, I would say about those two is like they were awkward, but they were fucking confident too, right? And mm-hmm. a little bit more so than like the original Bill and Ted, right? You know, those guys are kind of awkward and. They're not, like, super confident in those movies, but these girls, like, have been... You can tell that, like, there's that development that they were raised by somebody like that, so they're awkward, but they're confidently awkward, which I think says a lot about some younger generations and younger kids now, like, right? People are just owning being however fucking weird they want to be, like it or not. Like, I think it, it does a good job of balancing that and bridging that to, like, how shit was to how it is now, right? You know, you got a big gap there, so... Oh, yeah. Bill and Ted are excellent fucking parents in that. Are like oh, fucking yeah. totally supportive of their weirdness too. Just yeah, like yeah, to- totally. Yeah, man. Like you want to be a yeah. If you're a parent, you want to be a good parent. Like embrace the weirdness and you know help people through shit. So. <clears throat> in 2019 and 2010, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob and uh, Bill and Ted are both fathers now. <laughs> Weird movies. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll, we'll, I'll go ahead and drop some new theme music while we're still talking about Bill and Ted here for you. Everything's gonna set me up today. 
So there's something that pissed me off. Not specifically about Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh, and fuck. it kind of it kind of pisses me off in general every now and then. Oh shit! <clears throat> so I'm gonna lash out irrationally here. Oh fuck! On digital formats and oh, shit, shit like movies anywhere, voodoo, fucking uh, ultraviolet, just quote unquote digital copy, whatever the fuck that means. What is this horse shit? You know what? I didn't buy into this digital copy bullshit at first, and I'll tell you why. Back ten years ago, when they, you know, give or take, when I started really noticing these digital copy shit, right? 2008 or 9, really, is when they started like, oh, you get a digital copy with this. And uh, you redeem it. And back then it was like, oh, you might get a download of it, or you can do it through your iTunes account. And I'm like, okay. And then instantly... I'm filled with anxiety of, I'm not responsible enough to have this account forever. I'd much rather have a physical copy. So the fa- that already is bad enough, having that anxiety and that fear of... So your time travel gonna... is that you're worried about the longevity of these accounts? Basically, that's the most, that's the biggest first point, you know, that pisses okay, me off yeah, about them. I, I can feel that, okay. Keep on. Let it all out, man. Let so, me so, so you go on. So you go on, and um, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to have to get a digital movie account for the first time, really, so I can watch Bill and Ted, since I'm going to be buying it as opposed to renting it for $5 more. I'm just going to buy it, and I'm going to start a movie account. I have a bunch of movies that already have digital codes that I've never used, some of them are expired. I've talked to some people who are like, yeah, we use this, we use this, or this or that, this or that. A lot of people use digital formats these days and keep digital libraries. So I've been behind. I've been buying VHS this year. <laughs> I'm like, fuck your digital formats. I'll go even older, bitch. God damn your digital formats. I'm buying VHS. So uh, I bought Bill and Ted. is the first one I bought. Then I... Uh, before I watched it, I registered a couple other movies I had. So I just bought the Jurassic World movies on Blu-ray, and they came with digital copies. So I got all of the Jurassic movies, all five of them. Added those on there. Then I asked and uh, added the 2016 Ghostbusters. Then I looked around at some of my other copies of Ghostbusters I had, and none of them had digital copies with it. So I was like, oh, guess I'm not getting that digital copy. I was kind of like... Which is fucking weird, because I've got, like... I've had that from several of my Ghostbusters Blu-rays, and so, like, when I upgraded to the uh, 4K set, like, it just upgraded the copies I had. Yeah. Because I think I'd use, so, like, three or four of those, so. So, anyway, I go to watch Bill and Ted, and I bought the, I didn't buy the 4K version, I just bought the regular high-def version. And I was like, alright, I'm gonna watch this. I plug my, uh... <clears throat> HDMI from my laptop into my computer. If that's how I was going to watch it from v- Voodoo or Movies Anywhere, whichever one I was using. I think I was using Movies Anywhere. Uh, and I go to watch it, and it says, Oh, due to copyright issues, we can only stream this in high uh, standard def. And I'm like, What the fuck? Why? Why is this so- the way it is? So I got triggered, and then I just said, fuck it, I'm going to watch it right now. I don't have time for this shit. 
I usually watch I watch DVDs and VHS anyway. I'm not that pissed about having to watch it that way now, knowing that later at some point I better be able to watch it at high def since I paid for it. I mean, it wasn't like the high def version costed more because, of course, if you want the standard def, I don't know why you would... I don't know who's out there purchasing the standard def for 480p. Somebody who's running on some old-ass computer but still is like, man, I gotta watch Bill and Ted now, maybe, I guess. I, yeah, I really don't fucking know. I don't even have that option, but I get it. But then I can only watch it in standard def. So that triggered me. And then I started trying to put some, uh, there's all sorts of copyright issues. Like, Movies Anywhere is like, sorry, we can't show you movies from these couple people. And then I go to my Vudu, and all the codes that I've redeemed, the movies show up there. So I, I don't know, it's kind of weird. <clears throat> there's so many different places that you can get these digital formats from. There's no single library that holds all of them. No, well, it's that's not like having your own Blu-ray library. It's because of copyright issues among all of the fuckers, and it's not even that release it's, issues. It's yeah, it's basically who's willing to participate in those programs, and MGM is one of the big holdouts, and I believe Paramount is as well. And that's my point. So, uh, the, those are two big fucking issues right there. I have a lot of MGM and Paramount movies. I'm not about to go fucking have to buy. All that shit. I mean, everybody bitches about new formats in general anyway, which I'm just a physical format guy. I don't like having, like, everybody switched. Do you remember everybody used to have digital music libraries? Then it went to just strictly streaming, which is pretty much <clears throat> what they do with these digital libraries now, since you don't actually store the copies anymore. You just have access to them, which makes sense in a way. But I always feel it still feels temporary. It feels temporary. It feels like movie, ten, ten, 10 years from now, we're not going to be using movies anywhere. It's going to transition to some other fucking digital service, and everybody's digital libraries will be started over sometime in there anyway, and some stuff will transfer over slowly, and some of it won't. It'll just be a slow thing, and I don't know. It just pisses me off. Fuck digital copies. So, hot take here for you. I've got the opposite view. I have an asinine amount. I think I'm like over 120 digital movies now. Um, just from buying and uh, collecting and getting f codes from Blu-rays and other stuff. Mm -hmm. But I do agree with that, right? In the, in the old days, it took me, oh, I don't know, in the last five years, I'd say, I started really getting into the digital copies. Shit, maybe even more recently than that. But mostly, originally, like you said, there's movies that gave you a digital copy to download, right? And that shit still shows up different. Even stuff that you used to buy from iTunes shows up different than it does now. Um, yeah. And so I've got a few things that I can only see on my iTunes, even though Apple has some of the other content you know, available now. So I use a Roku for most of my digital streaming. Um, so I've got a Roku in my bedroom, and then in my living room I've got my uh, DVR through Xfinity and all that good stuff. And, but I also mm -hmm. have a Roku out there. Um, and then, you know, for a long time it was called Ultraviolet, and Ultraviolet mm -hmm. there had a lot of passcodes that expired. Well, Ultraviolet became Movies Anywhere, and, it, and that was backed a lot by Disney. So it used to be Disney's Movies Anywhere, and now it's just called Movies Anywhere. So I feel the frustration with that because some shit I bought from one vendor or another based on price point or based on availability, like prime example, I bought Scrooged 
through iTunes. I have to go into my Apple TV app to watch it, which prior to Apple TV launching their Apple TV subscription plan, they did not have any way to stream your shit on a Roku without using like a third-party app to sling it up there. Just a fucking headache. It's not fucking perfect by any means, but I'm able to catch just about everything else. And then there's shit that I've got on Vudu that doesn't appear anywhere else. Right? Vudu does TV series. Movies Anywhere doesn't do TV series. So, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, my Batman the Animated Series is all through Vudu. And then, like, I think I bought Top Gun through Vudu on there, right? So that's only on there because that's Paramount film. And so what I found is MGM and Paramount are the two major holdouts, but pretty much everything else is cross-compatible, which I like because, you know, I can go into those things and, and combine them, right? And then Movies Anywhere lets you sync your account. So through my Movies Anywhere, I've got my iTunes synced up to there. I've got my Xfinity synced on there. Um, clearly, You know where I have uh, all my movies synced? My your, shelf. Your shelf, yeah. I have, last time I counted, I had over 700 movies on DVD and Blu-ray, so. I don't know, for me, like, I've been collecting VHS <laughs> along with you, and uh, to be honest with you, a lot of the Blu-rays I had that I had that were just regular Blu-ray copies, not like collector's editions of anything, obviously. Clearly, any movies I really love, I'm going to keep the collector's editions of. Mm-hmm. But anything that was just kind of standard stuff that I was like, yeah, I don't really need all that space taken up, I sold since I had digital copies of. And to me, it just saves me space. And like on my bookcases, yeah, I could do bookcases or DVD holders, but to me, like, I would rather have my books and other shit on display. So it's a fucking fine line. And I think with Disney backing movies anywhere, Xfinity's compatible with it, Voodoo's compatible with it, um, Fandango and everyone else allows you to buy through that. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I think it's kind of stabilizing. But to your point, right, are we at the brink of buying movies or um, I don't think it's going to do the same thing music is because movie studios are a lot more difficult than record labels and are a lot more profit driven, right? There's just a lot more public well, use and other things we're just going to we're gonna be just have to sign up to everybody's streaming services. Disney Plus and Hulu and Netflix and <clears throat> what's NBC's called? Peacock and uh-huh. what's CBS one? CBS All Access. Yeah, that's like five right there plus HBO Max. There's six. Plus you have to subscribe to Apple TV. There's seven. Well, and some of the shit doesn't even make sense because the way it's gonna it's it's going backwards. And you know we had this moment in time where we had only a couple streaming services. So the licensing yeah. was they were they could get anything they needed basically. Well, as you look and at the stuff evolution. rotated more maybe, but yeah, and, it's and just you, it's just like how cable was is what I was saying. It's like yeah, it's the evolution you had to of get, cable. Yeah, you started getting bigger and bigger packages with more different types of channels and packages, and now that's exactly how this shit's happening. So we're going to be eventually paying one hundred and twenty dollars a month for TV and movie access, although it will be fucking tenfold of what it ever was before but well then you got like hbo max too right so yeah that's what i mentioned and the thing is they all have exclusive shit now too that you can't watch anywhere else and it's like even so like cbs has their channel but they have like and you know nbc peacock for example they moved that ab uh that 
AP Bio Show over to Pe- Peacock season three. So they don't even play it on TV now, I don't think. Yep, but the thing with Peacock is it's you know they got a completely free version of that ad supported that's completely free. Yeah. Or you can upgrade to the the adless version, right? Which isn't terrible, but the thing that blows my mind on all this streaming right now is that Netflix was creating their own content for the longest time, right? For a series and now even getting more into movies. They've been doing series for a while, which made everyone else have to step up their game on series. And, you know, so you're looking at a lot of premium content, but people like NBC, Peacock doesn't have friends on there. That's a fucking NBC property, but I believe they've leased that to, what is it, HBO? They've leased that to somebody else, right? So they sold the rights, the streaming rights for a long-term deal to somebody else. Just Mm -hmm. like when Peacock launched, it's NBC Universal. They had the Jurassic. uh, Do they have the office on there? Do they have what? The Office on there? Uh, the Office, I believe, is on there, yeah. The because The Office was taken off Netflix, I think, recently, or it's about to be. It was taken off there, yeah, and it went to Peacock because their deal went out, and that was one of the main yeah. things I think Peacock waited to launch is when they had that on there. Parks uh, and Rec was on back. Hulu. But yeah, and I bought so the, you look at this. I bought the and, Parks and Rec box set for 35 bucks on DVD at Target, so I was like... I'm good with that. I don't really care for The Office, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 just a it's a fine series, right? It's it's okay. It's just not something that you know. There's people that start that series over and over again every time they watch it, and a lot of people that's like their background noise in their life, right? People don't like well, being home alone by themselves, or they don't like being lonely, and so you do that. And I would rather just turn on a movie that I've seen a hundred times than a TV series, but that's just me. Well, I I do TV series too because they're more they're just longer. You know what I mean? Like a TV, yeah. like that's a fucking billion movies, depending on the TV series. So I, I, I get that. I sometimes do that with Parks and Rec or It's Always Sunny. We just have, people have different tastes. I think Parks and Rec is a way better show than The Office. The characters are just way more likable. You can actually root for some of those characters. Everybody is pretty much stupid in The Office. I don't know. <laughs> this is my, my thoughts and opinions. But, um... yeah. It's just, it's strange to me to see the times we're in because, right, is people try to push away from cable, everyone's still making you buy and bundle, right? So you get some people that are, like, um, allowing you to access those different subscription services through cable boxes, right? Okay, so that makes sense because you want to compete with the Rokus and everything else on the market um, and just have that ease of ease of use there, right, to, to try get people into your ecosystem, which I totally understand. That makes sense, right? It, ultimately, all these are for-profit businesses. You know, we can talk all the shit you want or you can question all you want, but ultimately it's going to be what's the best way to help them help their employees and their shareholders, right? And that's just the fucking reality of capitalism. Um, yeah. I mean, you can get into that, but, I mean, shit, we could talk on that kind of stuff for days. Days and days and days, and you'd wonder, ha, <laughs> How do you sit through but, these insurance seminars? <laughs> I just want to say, I'm getting bored here. Let's move it on over to the top five. 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 This is top five. Sound like Batman. So, 
Yeah. Speaking uh, of Batman. I was, just, I was just impersonating you on uh on the uh, this is top five. So yeah, I sound bad top ass, fives this week, I just said top five sidekicks. And you're probably thinking, oh, it's going to be a whole bunch of lists of comic book sidekicks. No, I don't think I have any comic sidekicks on here. Um, not to say that we couldn't do that, but that would be its own list. So these mine's are just a very top weird five. List. Yeah, yeah, mine's kind of strange too. You're going to be like, where the fuck did you guys come up with these lists? And well, it came from my heart, you son of a bitch. So fucking listen up and tell me what your number five is, Alec. Number five. Is a uh, sidekick in <clears throat> a lot of t- a lot of ways. <clears throat> He's a sidekick to a tall man with a excellent quaff of hair, <clears throat> who is named Conan O'Brien. The sidekick oh, is Andy yeah. Richter. Andy Richter's fucking badass on that show. He has been since it was late night with Conan O'Brien. On NBC. Yes. Speaking of NBC. Uh, but, you know, there was a whole debacle with that thing. We won't get into the whole Conan shenanigans. I love Conan. But that's why I love Andy Richter. Andy Richter's uh, fucking hilarious on that show. Great sidekick. He, his mm-hmm. interactions with Conan are perfect and solid. My favorite uh, TV sidekick, like, TV host. So, threw Andy Richter on there. Who's your number five? My number five is actually a twofer for sidekicks. The movie is Idle Hands. Matt. Mick and Peanub. Nice. Anton's buddies, and they're his undead buddies, and to me, like, they're just, like, fucking stupid stoner sidekicks that are undead. And to me, like, I was like, when I was thinking of stupid sidekicks, or just sidekicks in general, I was like, you know what? That's a way fucking underrated movie that doesn't get the love that it should. I love that movie. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Those characters are fun. Seth Green, specifically, his character is fucking amazing. Um, but, yeah. It, I have yeah, it on those, DVD. Those I'm looking at it on the shelf. It's beautiful. Good movie. Glorious. So that's mine. That's my number five. What's your uh, number four? My number four It's from a sitcom. A sitcom that ran from 1990 through 1996. Uh, it starred Will Smith. My Are you talking sidekick, Carlton? Carlton Banks. Fuck yeah, man. Carlton Banks. That's a badass right there. Alfonso Rivera. Fuck yeah. Who doesn't Hell love Carlton? Yeah. Carlton's awesome. Um, you know, Jeffrey's, I, I could you could argue Jeffrey, but I would think Carlton's way more of his sidekick. So, um, I put Carlton on the list because I love Fresh Prince and I love Carlton. So, uh, he's always, he, you know, he and Will obviously have a lot of conflict and that is, uh, what results on a lot of the comedy of the show. But they also Absolutely. have a lot of heartfelt moments together and shit. And they're, they're basically brothers. So. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a good, Love them. good choice. Yep. What's your number four? Walter from the Big Don't Lebowski. Don't call me Walter. I was thinking <laughs> son-in-law. Speak of that later, yeah. but... <clears throat> nope, Big Lebowski, Walter, John Goodman's character in there, man. Like, that's one of my favorite roles John Goodman's ever fucking played. Besides you and everyone else, man. 
but he's so good in that, right? And oh he's yeah, the you want a toe? I can get you a toe. I can get you a toe by yeah. three o'clock, whatever he says. Yeah, yeah. To me, like that's just one of those. Yeah, when you think sidekicks, like mm. you're not thinking traditional sidekicks, but he's definitely the sidekick of Lebowski, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I love it. What's your number three? Number three. 1986. Is it Ducky? No. Okay, just checking. It's Cameron Fry from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Cameron was always, always way related to his character more in Ferris Bueller growing up. And later in adult life, too. You know, yeah, his um, general disposition, I think, like it just fit me more. It's, it's it, who it I feels, related to more. Yeah, yeah, it feels natural, man. Like just dealing with the shit we've been through growing up and life experience, you totally fucking feel for why Cameron is the way he is, and he feels yeah. so real for like a, a character in a movie. Yeah, he uh, he's awesome. That movie's awesome. So Cameron Fry is my number three. I would like to point out right now that my sidekick list so far has consisted of Andy Richter, Carlton Banks, and Cameron Fry. These are uh, my top f- sidekicks. Cause, uh, yes. Yeah, they are just there. that's what it is. What's your number three? Goose. I knew that list was, he was going to be on your list. I'm fucking Top Gun, man. I've, I've been watching Top mm-hmm. Gun since I was like three or four. Uh, yeah. Goose, man, he's like the OG sidekick for that movie, right? And the sidekick We have very similar mustaches. Too, you do. You have that Anthony Edwards look. Besides the fact that you didn't, you're not fucking balding, so you've got that going for you, which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he was in uh, Revenge of the Nerds. For all of those of you uh, out there who didn't know that. Yep. And he's also he's on one ER. of the main nerds. But it's just weird to see ER. him play the fucking nerd and then going to be like, wait, why does he all of a sudden look like three feet taller and ripped in Top Gun? What's happened? Yeah. Because Tom Cruise is fucking tiny. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's probably is why it does look like that. Now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise is basically. Uh, I feel the need the need for apple boxes to yes. stand on, so I look taller next to everyone. Uh-huh. Give me something to stand on, so I'm taller than the woman that I'm in the scene with. Or the uh, the all the sports players that have to do that when they're getting interviewed because. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yes. They do that it's all the time, great. and you see it, and you're like, "That's so fucking absurd!" Like, can't we just show people for who they are? But I guess men have insecurities that um, <laughs> they can't handle. With like, I'm sorry, you're a little fella, and she's tall, and she might be wearing heels. Like, just get over it, dude. It's fine. Men's security. Like, you're a fucking professional athlete. Get the fuck over it. That, that's what I don't get. Like, you're a pro athlete. Why are you insecure? But anyway, to get back on point, yeah, goose. Goose dies, too, so that gives him, like, added points because you're not going to get some, like, oh, what happened to Goose? And when, when your sidekick dies, you know, you see how, how bad that fucks up Pete Mitchell, Maverick. You know, you see, like, that really yeah. fucks him up. And his movie oh, yeah. is how do you overcome that, right? So, yeah, it's Goose. That's number three. So what's your number yeah, two? Number two. Every time we get to my number two, I always want to impersonate Dr. Evil and go, number two. Which uh, number two work for? That's Austin Powers' line, but hey. It doesn't matter. It's the same actor. <laughs> so, my number two is from another sitcom. 
the greatest sitcom of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, say it with me, Alf. So the sidekick oh, of Alf fuck. is Willie fucking goddamn Tanner. Hell yeah, son. Willie Tanner. I love him. I miss him. He's in my heart. Hell yeah, I feel that. That's my number two. That. I don't have much else to say about that. He is definitely the sidekick of Alf, though. Oh, fuck yeah. You know, their, their comedy together is is what that show is. It's Willie oh, and yeah. Alf. Yeah, you could take I mean, off every. You could kill every other character in the show as long as you had those two. I mean, really, you be, say that about Alf, but if you have Willie and Alf, it makes it. Willie and Alf could just be a show of those two, where Alf is the imaginary friend torturing Willie, and it would still fucking work and still be amazing because those oh, yeah. two, they have the chemistry there, right? And that's weird to say that someone has chemistry with a fucking puppeteer doll, but it works, right? And I think it's just Paul Fusco's comedic style works well with. Uh, uh, terrible at names for the actor who portrayed Willie. So, oh, now that you say that, I forget his name, but I normally know it too. Yeah. God damn it. Or assholes. That's fine. I know his name. Fuck me. No, you don't. And no. <sighs> damn it! I can't remember it now. Well, I'll whatever it for you then. That's fine. Moving along. What's your? Uh... Did we just do your number two? No, we didn't. No, my number two is the first overlap we've had. Fucking Andy Richter. Late night with Conan O'Brien, bitches. Cole. Andy Richter. Yeah, it used to be a different guy, but now it's it's him doing Conan O'Brien. Yep. That used to be the guy ones. that would go, Conan O'Brien. Yep. I think Back that guy's day. name was Joel. Um, but yeah, man, I, I started watching, you know, I, I used to hang out with my friend Joel a lot, man. We'd watch Conan O'Brien if I was hanging out on a Friday night and if it was on a Saturday night, we'd be watching SNL. And, you know, I remember watching Jay Leno and we're always like, oh man, I can't wait for, I can't wait for Leno to be over so I can watch Conan late night with Conan O'Brien. And Andy Richter, man, was always funny on there. Like he just added that next layer to interviews and layer to the comedy there. like, And when he left late night for a while to do his own thing, um, it was highly disappointing. So, like, when he eventually came back and started working with Conan again, it was like, man, it fucking mm-hmm. just felt like the world was aligned correctly again, right? It felt like things were normal. Yep. So, uh, big question here. What's your number one? Numero uno. Number one. Spans. Quite a few generations and decades of all sorts of media, including television shows, television movies, movies, live action movies, animated movies, video games, toys, stuffed animals, everything you can possibly name for children and adults. From the legendary... Universe of Scooby-Doo, Shaggy. You alive? Yeah, I feel that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Shaggy. I, I, I yep. feel like those two's energy channels together so well that they're... I don't know if you'd call one a sidekick, another or not. Like, to me, that's almost like the... 
But I mean, when you look at it in terms of Wayne's World, then yes, yeah, he's the he's the sidekick, and you know, just like Garth is the sidekick, even though they're pretty temp. Well, uh, he's my number one because level. you want them together. Yeah, they need to be together, right? They if have Scooby the Doo best. Without Shaggy doesn't mean shit. They have the Scooby Doo is or Shaggy is the best emotional support for Scooby Doo in everything. They they have the heart. The other characters are always fucking. They anytime they fuck off and do their own thing, Shaggy and Scooby stick together. And when they don't, one of their both of their hearts break, and they fix it. That's true. That's very true. Um, That's a good call. That's a very good call. I put him on there because. Of that, yeah, pretty much. Now, like, on my initial list, did I did did I write things like Garth down? Yeah, while I was brain plotting and shit. But, like you said, I think it's more of a duo in Wayne's World. Even though Wayne's World is clearly slightly more about Wayne, it's in such a subtle way. I mean, Garth still gets his own side plots in the movies and everything else, so there's scenes with just Garth in them, too. So, yeah, whatever. But Shaggy definitely feels like more of a partner to Scooby-Doo's existence. Yes. <clears throat> but, um, yeah. I mean, I, I had Chewbacca best. written down there. Um, Krillin from Dragon Ball Z. And uh, Barf from Spaceballs I also had written down. Nice. But um, what's your number one? My number one, you may have just mentioned, uh, it's actually Chewbacca. And let me specifically say Chewbacca from... Just the original Star Wars trilogy. Chewbacca has that, like... And it's cheesy because it's it's an easy one to put it, you know, in the list and at number one. But as somebody that loves dogs and, like, just, you know, thinks dogs are good companions, like, Chewbacca's that fucking... Like, if your dog could walk and talk and do shit with you and help you out, like, Chewbacca fucking epitomizes, like, what you'd want in a real-life dog sidekick if they could actually just do shit besides hang out with you, right? Yeah. If they were your ride or die. And, like, to me, like, when I think of it in terms of that way, yeah. And, like, I think of anyone else being Harrison Ford's sidekick as Han Solo, and it doesn't work because Harrison Ford's kind of a dick. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he kind of plays dickish characters. And so Chewbacca being bigger than him and being the fucking muscle, um, man... But he's super fucking loyal too, right? There's just so many things about him that you really got to give him credit for. And then obviously in Force Awakens, it's pretty good too. But man, yeah, for me, that's just one that like ever since I've seen the original Star Wars trilogy, it was like, man, Chewbacca, people love the Wookiee, but I still think he's somewhat underrated in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Now, honorable mentions... Honorable mentions for me, there's one from a TV series you may know, The Lone Gunman from the X-Men series. That's a good fucking sidekick. Because, like, they definitely help out a lot. The Lone Gunman helps out a lot in the series. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you say X-Men, not X-Files, by the way? I did? God damn it. I you said X-Men, so I was literally thinking of, like, wait, in the X-Men animated series, there's a character named The Lone Gunman? What the no. fuck am I thinking? I, I was like, wait a second. Then I, I see what you're saying. But, yeah, I thought about that, too. And I thought about Sheriff Truman from Twin Peaks because he's 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 in a bit of a way he's Dale Cooper's sidekick, but you know, he's not, you know, really. And clearly, so. like Morty from Rick and Morty, but I mean that one's just so obvious in the pop culture right now. It's just like 
you know, that's going to be on anyone's list that's, like, growing up watching that show or, like, loves that show. Yeah. I was thinking, like, more, not recent, but just over a, a broad spectrum of time, right? The things that came to mind, and uh, that's uh, that's what I came up with. There's another one on there, though, um, that we didn't mention. And the movie itself is called Sidekicks. And... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the movie featuring Chuck Norris? No. Do I look like someone who uh, enjoys Chuck Norris? Yes. <laughs> no. It's awesome because he also did a, a movie with uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Was it Jonathan... Uh, I wrote it his sounds name like down. fucking holy shit, a god awful disaster. It's it's pretty awesome. Like he does karate stuff. I remember he like karate chops through like the fire bricks and shit. Yeah, it's the movie's called Sidekicks, and it's just an honorable mention because anyone that grew up in that time and like had cable probably has fucking seen this movie and uh, hmm? just worth mentioning there. And then obviously the Xena Warrior Princess fans out in the world would probably say Xena's friend, her ginger friend. I can't remember her name because. I honestly haven't watched a lot of that, but she right. Came up well, there's also um, what's that girl? Is it who's the girl from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer too? Her yeah, her ginger friend. It always seems like the ginger friends like the fucking sidekick. No fucking mm-hmm. gingers ever get like the front row and center. Even the gingers in the Harry Potter world, right? Everyone's like, oh, there's your here's your ginger sidekick, and that seems to be a thing more in movies than comics. But uh, think outside of the box and tell us what your top five. Sidekicks are. Could be movies, TVs, could be books. There's all kinds of shit. Most of ours was from visual entertainment, such as movies and television programming. But the world is full of possibilities. So, uh, we got a couple more segments for you. We're going to blast through those. Not too quick, but hey. I, uh... We got episode by episode for you next year. We now return to the real Ghostbusters. Diane, 11.30 a.m., February 24th. Entering the town of Twin Peaks. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Bill Murray is the funniest man on the planet. Episode by episode. Moving right along. Footloose and fancy free. Getting there is half the fun. Come share it with me. So, episode 17 of Extreme Ghostbusters, Sonic Youth. You think that's a, a pun? You think well, that was intentional to reference the band? Because maybe the writer liked the band Sonic Youth. I like yeah. the band Sonic Youth, so I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Seth Anyways. Rogen wore a Sonic Youth shirt and 40-year-old virgin. It's pretty funny. Nice. Yeah, he also had that fake sleeve tattoo. Pretty sweet. Well, I wouldn't call that part pretty sweet. That no, was pretty shitty fucking looking. being an <laughs> asshole. That's fucking cheesy. You're like, can't you, you could have just got someone with a real sleeve, but whatever. No, I mean, it's funny to have it on his character, because his character plays a character who would have that kind of ugly tattoo. But... Yeah. It's, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so this episode... Kicks, uh, kicks off here with uh, just them fighting a ghost. And at first I was like, wait, did I autoplay part of this last week? When I, I did too. I rewound it again. Yeah, and I know it just starts off where they're fighting this 
this uh, this ghost and uh, this banshee ghost, right? And she uses her voice to fuck some shit up. And she eventually yep. escapes because she's dropping light chandeliers. She's tearing the building apart by using the vibrations of her voice to destroy things. Yeah. And then, of course, the iconic, classic... Is there something strange in the neighborhood? Who are you going to call Ghostbusters? And then we get back into it. Pretty much. Where they continue fighting the ghost, and this time they're blasting her, and then, you know, she throws some more shit at him with her sonic voice, drops some shit, and she gets away. So. Yeah. This episode is, uh, it's kind of fun. Um, I do like how they have a, a ghost that's almost like a good guy ghost in it, right? You know, because you've got these yeah. two banshees. One's kind of the villain that needs her youth restored by stealing the youth of other people. So she's got this blonde sister that's able to steal the youth from people and then provide it to her. She's just got black, jet black hair. So yeah. I don't think... I don't think they ever, like, say the names of these characters. They just call each other sister. So, I don't know. They could be nuns and just banshee friends. I don't know. They may not actually be sisters. So Yeah, I'm not 100% on that either. I do remember watching this one as a kid, though. It's one yeah, I so remembered. This, yeah, this one sticks out. It's definitely better than some of the episodes. But it's not still not one of my favorites. But it's... Uh, it's easier to watch than a couple random ones here and there. This one, um, uh, the my issue with some of the other ones is like the tempo and the way it goes, like just the way the story flows. And this one which, has a pretty. Uh, this one has it, a this pretty, one kind of it, it just kind of starts. Yeah, and I would I'm say fine in terms of that, flowing, like, it doesn't flow much. It just starts, just opens, and then it's there. And then and you're there, and you're in this episode, which is, I, I think, because they wanted to tell a longer story, you know, and they were like, well, we can't really quite make this two parts, so we're going to cut out some of this beginning-type bullshit and just start here. Yeah, and I appreciate that, right, because they usually give you the backstory, which isn't always necessary, so I do love how you just jump right into action on this one, and the yeah, Ghostbusters in action. Time. But I, I enjoyed it. It's fun, right? You know, you see Roland kind of get caught up, and he gets to be front and center in this episode because basically him and Egon developed this technology to, like, isolate the Banshee scream so you, you know. We isolated the Banshee's vocal frequency. Yep, exactly. So you get a, you get to nerd out a little bit with Egon and Roland, right? And that's kind of fun. I know. I was like, I was like, wait a second. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah. I was so. like, wait, I need vocal and analyzing shit now for my uh ghost busting shit yep well if you just wear headphones you can say you're wearing things to protect you from banshees so <laughs> the other interesting piece was like the way they age the characters on here I thought that was kind of fun um the only criticism I will say is that when Roland ages quite a bit just from what I remember because I haven't watched it super recently is that his character looks a lot like Winston when they age him in the back in the saddle episodes. So I just mm -hmm. felt like from a character design element, like they could have done a little bit better job there with that. But, um, you know, when they did this episode, they may not have known what they're doing with back in the saddle. So, um, 
because Winston looked a lot more like rolling it in those episodes than he looked like as Winston in the real Ghostbusters. So that's that's yeah. just my hot take on it. But um, <clears throat> I did like how they used a lot of technology in there, you know, Ghostbusting technology, figuring things out, kind of going around doing that. It was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, a decent one. One of the cool things is, like, you see some other gadgets, right? Not only are they building gadgets, but Janine comes and kind of doesn't quite save the day, but, you know, when Roland goes stupid drunk in love for this banshee and starts letting the ghosts out of the contaminant to try to free the sister after they trap the initial ghost, you know, they're like, oh, okay, here's here's what's going on. Um, it's uh, pretty interesting, you know, the way that worked out. And then they had some fun ghost designs in there that got freed. My favorite was that fucking uh, jackass ghost, the uh, donkey ghost that was like hee-hawn, but he was dressed like he's a carnival creature. I was like, why couldn't we have a whole episode on that? That just looks fun. Hmm. That just looks silly and fun. So, um, it's And it's interesting when you see some of these silly ghost designs in there that just kind of pop up, because there's another ghost that also attacks uh, Garrett in his wheelchair there that kind of comes up and lifts him up. And that ghost design's fun as well, but it's not quite like a a donkey hee-hawing around as it's chasing the Ghostbusters. You're like, that's the beauty right. of ghosts. Like, you can make them as strange and absurd as you want. And for the most part, you're not really going to question it too much. Yeah. But Janine busts out this proton pack and kind of helps save the day down in the containment unit before they move on to, a, you know, a concert and get, get the party rolling. Get the party rolling. And then Roland fucking sells out his friends just over his love interest that doesn't love him back. Yeah, typical. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Throws his friends under the bus. Uh, don't look at me. I may not have done that before in my life because I was an asshole. But we've all been an asshole when we think we're making good decisions, so. Yep. But good friends forgive you for those ignorant moves you make, so, you know. I'd say I've got good friends in my life, so can't complain too much. So, uh, I don't have too much else to say about this episode. I like it enough. You should, yeah. uh, check it out. The one fun thing, um, I guess, uh, towards the end of it is right when the blonde banshee turns herself in, right, and she walks into the trap after she weakens her sister intentionally and then helps out. But I thought the funny thing on it was it was, like, just kind of subtle. Like, Roland is clearly still in love with her even after they capture her at the end and he's youthful again. Like... Mm-hmm that spell isn't necessarily broken for him. So he's still into that, which I found kind of interesting, which, you it's know, funny. could have been a setup for like a later season episode where like he winds up letting her out again. Cause he's still in love with her or something. Right. So yeah. you just kind of wonder like, had we had a longer series run than we did with this, you know, what other kind of things may have something like that have been able to lead to. I, um, I do wish that the extreme Ghostbusters in general... I mean, I know that there's a little bit of IDW influence with them, and I know that Kylie's in there, but I still wish there was just more extreme Ghostbusters recognition. It's, um... I just want some new merchandise for it, I guess that's what I'm saying. You got it. Well, if you want want some Ghostbusters, extreme Ghostbusters stickers... um, Ecto Crank and uh, Crank's Occult Merch has some badass new designs out that he's done recently that are more Extreme Ghostbusters related, so uh, check nice. those out. So, Pretty uh, good stuff. So I got- guess the last thing on this piece here, before I cut you off again, 
is that Garrett has the pop culture reference in this episode as they catch these ghosts and they're leaving. They said, Elvira has left the building. You know, obviously huh? a, a goth-looking chick that they capture as a ghost, and, you know, you got to make the obvious reference in. Elvira. Like, yeah, who doesn't like the Elvira type? That is the type. Uh, Elvira, if you're out there and you're looking for me, I'm waiting. He's on OnlyFans. <laughs> so we got one more little bit to do. Our uh, One of our newer segments titled Shark Tank. Welcome to Shark Tank. So, this week, we're pitching a fucking another shitty idea into the Shark Tank. And, Reboots uh, and legacy sequels, and we've got you one might have, fucking coming for you. You gotta get a courtesy flush on this one, too, about halfway through, man. Uh, we're talking... Uh, a sequel here today for Son-in-Law. Son-in-Law 2, Home Back for at Christmas. Back zoo. <laughs> That's I, what I, uh, I, had a, I have it as a Christmas movie. Well, being set during Christmas a little bit in my head. All right, well, fucking so, break it down, man. Tell me, like, just so pull the cork initially, on this diarrhea and let, let it flow. Exactly. This is going to be one fucking turkey dinner that I got out of the dumpster last week. But, uh, <clears throat> so, Son-in-Law, right? Starring Polly Shore. Um, early 90s film, I believe in 1993. Excellent film. I watch it every Thanksgiving. I watch it on Thanksgiving Day. So, it's not exclusively a Thanksgiving film. It just takes place you know, over the Thanksgiving weekend and shit. But, this next movie, Polly Shore has married, uh, fuck, I should have looked up the uh, act- actress's name as well as her character's name. I can't even think of it off the top of my head. Carla Gugino plays Becca? Yeah, Becca. That's it. So Becca and, uh, Crawl, Crawl get married. And, uh, they have a daughter. Their daughter goes off to college, comes back on Christmas break with... Your initial thoughts may be, how can we change this up? She comes back with one of two things here. It depends on how you want this movie to go. How, how, how do you want it to go, all right? Scenario one. Fucking terrible. So what's the worst scenario you have and fucking just spew it so the uh, i think the typical scenario right now would be to have her come back with a woman maybe even a black woman and i don't mean this in a bad way but i only think that that would conflict with the movie because Polly shore's character would have nothing to fight about these his children with he would be way too accepting and think that that's awesome you know what i mean Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Carl not the right wouldn't have a problem with that. that. They would get along great. It would be a good time. There would be no conflict in that movie. 
that's the only reason I have issues with that. Because otherwise, I think that'd be cool as fuck. But well, the, you know, what I think is that, she comes you, back. She's a wall wild, and she goes to school and gets, straightens out and comes back with a fucking guy who's like a fucking Trumpster, basically. Oh God, that would actually he, work. He comes back with a MAGA hat, and Polly Shore's like, "What the fuck? You come back with this guy, and he's harshing my grindage." I'm the fucking what? There's your movie. Yeah, sounds fucking awful. Yep, Pauly Shore coming back is anything right now. I mean, he's fine doing a stand-up piece, but man, who plays he, his daughter? Who plays his daughter? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't Pauly know. You Shore. need somebody like. Oh man. I mean, do you want somebody that's like gonna be in Polly Shore's vein, or do you want to do, do you want someone to be different? Somebody that can pull off both, kind of like Becca did in the first one. Yeah, where she's like adapting to the culture she's in, but she also is like still able to carry on her family values type shit. Yeah, eh, I don't know. I don't know. But who would be more importantly? Who would be the fucking son-in-law that he'd have to deal with, right? <laughs> who would be the fucking MAGA supporter coming in for him? You need some, like... You just need a young white actor. Yeah, maybe that somebody... That act really good. Yeah, maybe somebody that's unknown, that's not necessarily known for comedy, but, you know, just the juxtaposition of him with Polly Shore would be, be what makes that what makes that funny, and him being role-reversed is, like, having to be oh. accepting of the MAGA guy. You know what would be great? Gary Busey. Gary Busey? <laughs> she come, <laughs> yeah. She comes back with Gary Busey. Oh, my God. That'd be fucking terrible. And he's her Republican MAGA hat-wearing boyfriend. Oh, and she's dating a creepy old, like, rich guy? That would actually work, too. Like, uh, almost go to, uh, <laughs> you know, like an older guy that's wealthy that, yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, he's my sugar daddy. And he's also voting for Trump, and he's, like, the CEO of some business, and it's a side piece. And he has no intentions of marrying her, and they find out that she's actually that he's actually still married and has a wife and kids, but he's just playing all these young women as his side piece. And so then Polly yeah. Shore's got to like break him <laughs> off of that and get him to redeem himself for his family while also letting his daughter go be free again. Now that's a fucking Christmas movie for the fucking ages right there, because at the end of the movie, Polly Shore is able to send this piece of shit back to his family. All fucking like head down, like giving up on, on the world. Yeah. Oh yeah, we let's should talk, write this. Let's, let's talk cameos and extended universe here. Yes. So, of course, Andy Dick has to make an appearance. Well, no. Before we go there, this movie is already connected to Encino Man because Brendan Fraser appears in the first Son-in-Law. Okay. So, Son-in-Law Two is clearly an extension of both Son-in-Law and Encino Man, which includes Brendan Fraser and Sean Astin. You bring them both back. Okay. Sean Astin has been living with the Brendan Fraser character somewhere, and Stoney changed his name to Crawl. That was just his high school nickname. Same character, for, well, for these purposes. Okay. So, Brendan Fraser has been cavemanging it up, living with Sean Astin. They come and join the fucking movie for God knows what reason. Uh, because um, one of their kids... One of their sons is madly in love with Polly Shore's or Crawl's daughter, and they really want to see her do better. And they think it's creepy that she's with an old guy. So he like randomly pops in all the time, like trying to save it. And then you find out later on that 
um, he was adopted by those two, and they're a straight couple that is just co-parenting an adopted kid. Yes. Right? They're just two dudes that adopted a kid because, like, you know, they're just just who they are there, right? So... And that, because they think it'll get them a lot of chicks, they think like, "Hey, two straight guys like parenting an adopted kid would be really cool, right?" But they're really good parents, but their kid's a little creepy and wants her there. So, you know, Crawl's got to call them out to come help out the situation, and to get their son from st- to stop being creepy. And you know, so they wind up coming up as dressed up as Santa and a reindeer uh, to help him from breaking in the house at night on Christmas Eve. At some- at some point, you get a cameo from Stephen Baldwin when Polly Shore is buying some drugs from him or something. And you get, uh... well, yeah, because Polly Shore's character obviously owns a medicinal marijuana store now, so half these characters can kind of come in through and be shopping and buying from him. And then it becomes a, a Clerks sequel when Jay and Silent Bob walk in. The the yeah, I mean you could throw their you could throw their cameo in there, but yeah, I think I think we've got you a throw them out at the end, and the movie goes black and white. Yes, <laughs> and that's because Polly's smoking behind the counter, and then like they come in, and it becomes black and white for a few minutes while they're in there. But the store's yeah, filled play, with the, uh... the store gets so full of smoke beforehand that the smoke graying out the screen is actually what makes it turn black and white after the smoke clears. <laughs> We could do this, man. We could do this. I think we got a great Christmas movie on our hands. Pauly Shore. Gary Busey. In. Son-in-law, too. Something About Christmas. That's a good title right there. Something About Christmas. That that is a good idea for that fucking movie. Son-in-law, too. Something, something about Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So the Shark Tank. So speaking of Shark Tank ideas, I, I just had this other idea because you sent me a uh, Django Fett Unchained cosplay photo. And the first oh, thing yeah. that I thought of based on the color of the costume was Austin Powers Rangers or Austin Power Ranger. And I would love to see a mashup of the movie Power Rangers with Austin Powers. Mm-mm. It makes no that fucking be... sense, but what I just want to know... What would Fat Bastard Zord be to fight the Power Rangers Megazord, and what would Austin Powers Zord be? Like, Austin Powers Zord wouldn't even be its own Zord. It would have to be like a penis pump that goes on the Megazord that they use to defeat Fat Bastard. I was about to say, I don't know, it might just be two dogs humping or something. (laughs) That could be it. But yes. And then they transform into something else as part of the... They transform into the cock. Idea is so bad they shouldn't even be considered, but yet here they are. Now, I feel like we're pitching this now while we're here. Austin oh, we're, Power we're Rangers. Here. Yeah, Austin Power so. Rangers, right? So Fat Bastard and then Fat Bastard himself, you know, Reed Repulsa and Doctor Evil are an item. Yeah, exactly. Because Doctor Evil's been to space, right? Oh, yeah. So it's not that far-fetched that he would meet Rita Repulsa while he's on the moon. So when he leaves the last time, or whenever he leaves again at the beginning of the movie, you see him escaping again, going to space, and this time he meets Rita Repulsa, accidentally kills Lord Zed, or smashes him fucking... All of the all, all... of the putties are mini-me. Yes. Yeah, the mini-me patrol Because they're all wearing gray suits. 
yeah, they're all just grayed out like him, but they just look like mini me because he's already gray outfits anyway, right? Exactly. But they just have the uh, um, that on there Seth, anyway. But Seth Green is Scott as Goldar. That's just his oh face in the Goldar outfit, though. Yeah, yeah. She replaces Goldar because Lord Zed and Goldar get smashed underneath Doctor Evil's rocket, all uh, Wizard of Oz, and so. After they smash Goldar, Scott takes Goldar's costume from that, and Dr. Evil takes Zed's staff and um, changes it from a Z to an E, or adds an E on there so it says easy. Because <laughs> that's just some shit they would do in that movie. And then, obviously, Austin oh, Powers has to get on the Morphin grid um, and, and help out there. So, you know, he morphs, obviously, and his helmet, you know, basically just looks like himself as a Power Ranger helmet, right? If you were to take his smile and face and glasses. Oh, that's fucking amazing, yes. Yes. (laughs) And you make his suit the movie-style suit, right? And then, of course, clearly his weapon is the Swedish-made penis enlarger pump, right? So, you know, he'll he'll take all the blood out of villains' brains by pumping them up and enlarging their dong. (laughs) 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 This is so fucking absurd, but he takes all the brain out of him, and that's how he defeats defeats people as the... um, is the, I don't know, what would you call his ranger? The, uh, I mean, what color would he be? He would be blue. He would be like, um, he would replace would the his... blue ranger because the blue ranger got sacrificed somehow too in this story, right? So, but his suit would be like frilly and blue like that, just like his Austin Power suit, right? Yeah, exactly. It would be, it would look, it would have the Power Rangers prints on it, but it would still be crushed velvet and have the frilly ends. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it wouldn't even be the crushed velvet. It would look like it's all frilly, like even with the chest piece and the, and the white shirt underneath, but it would be looking like the high leathery look of the Power Rangers movie costumes, right? You know, so like much higher in than the normal stuff, not just the basic spandex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that would be it. And then obviously, you know, um, fat bastard gets enlarged to, to fight the world, and then you know Austin Powers, um, penis oh. man, yeah. You know who can accidentally take hold of the morphing grid Who's and become that? the gold, the gold ranger, the gold member ranger? Hell yes. <laughs> exactly. yeah, exactly. He can be the uh, yeah, and he would have a big ranger. gold fucking dick attached to him hanging down. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he just have a big old fucking dildo that's like it said his sword handle handle would be a fucking dildo, <laughs> so it'd be just kind of you just see the tip of a prick as the sword handle. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, the gold member there, and then obviously Bulk and Skull would be randomly appearing throughout this. Um, oh and yeah, they'd run into the uh, Elizabeth Hurley um, robots of you know that shoot shoot out of their boobs. So they'd oh run, yeah, and you they'd got run into uh, them at the uh, what is it, the juice bar or whatever they go to, and they'd have to they'd have to be protecting the juice bar from all these characters coming in there. But the juice bar has also been bought out by um, Big Boy. Yeah. So it's the Big Boy presents the Angel Grove juice bar, right? So they've got that thing outside there too. So you got to. And then Alpha Five meets Doctor Evil and is like, Zordon, is that you? Yeah. It's a big fucking bald head. Yep, and then at the end of the movie, um, Dr. Evil basically becomes a Zordon for the bad guys, so he's just basically encased in glass, otherwise he's going to die. So from there Mm -hmm. on out, he's basically like the Wizard of Oz wizard, 
style thing, you know, because you got to have Wizard of Oz references in here to combine these two universes because they're so abstract, bizarre, and there's digits. Oh, wait, wait. You know there's already borderline a Wizard of Oz reference, I feel like, with the big-ass flying crows in the Power Rangers movie that feel like the flying monkeys. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this stick... Did and this Dalcia, stick have a whistling sound? Yeah, Dalcia could come back as the love interest for Doctor or um, for Austin Powers in this one, since she's actually like a grown-up woman. You know, you can't oh, have him exactly. in a high school girl. Yeah, it's perfect. And then you tease Ivan Ooze as the next villain in the next movie. He's teaming up with Goldmember, the Goldmember Ranger. Yep. I would so watch that's it. Austin Power Rangers. Yes, that's a uh, it's amazing. The mashup movies you didn't need, you know, but now you can't get out of your mind. Somebody please drop posters for these movies. Yes. Please. please Son-in-law 2, with all the details, and Power Austin Power Rangers. We need it. We'll come up with more absurd ideas later. So if you got a crazy absurd idea, you want to hear what kind of silly shit we can come up with for it, let us know. Because the Shark Tank is always looking for your ideas. We need to find more ways to mash up terrible movies together. That's a good oh, idea. Oh, I just, I like the uh, Austin Power Rangers. Like, anything you might do for a mashup for, like, cosplay or anything like that, you take the cosplay idea and we'll make it a movie. Not just, like, a funny, like, one-off idea. It'd be like, hey, that's a funny, like, mashup. Like, no, we'll find a way to mash up the movies and make it work. Hmm. We've got this Hollywood. We've got brand new, fresh ideas. We're not rebooting. We're just fucking combining shit. We're going to fucking combine these things to make the Megazord Shark Tank movies. Yeah, Son-in-Law 2 is in the same universe as the Austin Power Rangers. (laughs) Well, why wouldn't it be? They they would all be in the same universe. Gary Busey is the Red Ranger. (laughs) Polly Shore is the Pink Ranger. (laughs) <laughs> Andy Dick would be the Pink Ranger, or he could be the Yellow Ranger, I guess. Yeah, and he'd be the type that would be like trying to show off his dong through his spandex suit the whole time, because he's a. Then you get Fred man. from uh, In the Army now to be the Black Ranger, yeah, guy from Junami. And you get Stephen Baldwin to be a Ranger. Be some funny shit. Oh, yeah. It'd be absurd. It would uh, be absurd. What else are you getting into this week? Got any shit coming up? Uh, Nothing major this week. Uh, The other thing I did right, was... I Go ahead. I was going to say, I made my... Uh, on my Proton Pack, I created a device to make the uh, wand tip able to retract and expand but i don't have a pop mechanism on it it's just a a manual intervention there so kind of happy with how that turned out i may eventually try to buy a pop mechanism for it and fit it in there because before i was worried about the electronics board fitting in there with everything else but i've got everything reorganized in there now and it's i think i can fit a pop mechanism in there too so yeah i've seen um since those new Spangler No Toronto ones, it's good that you bring that up because I was about to bring those up again because I initially ordered mine for the first time. Last podcast we had, I hadn't ordered it yet. So I ordered one like four days ago from the Hasbro Pulse website when it was said it was going to ship the first. Then um, Monday morning, 
I woke up and was just dicking around my phone and I saw a lot of people saying they were getting theirs and stuff from different retailers and I was like, well, I'm thinking about getting a second one anyway. If Hasbro's going to delay theirs, I can at least order one through GameStop now while they're available and I'll get my second one. And I'll still have time between now and the 16th to cancel it if I decide I only want one. Um, you know, I, I was like, I, I didn't have to have it sooner. Because like, like I said, I got why people were upset that it's going to take longer and stuff. As long as they're not assholes about it. Being bummed is one thing, but being a prick about it's another. So, I uh, my GameStop one did ship today. It says it'll be here... Uh, what day is today? Tuesday? It says it'll be here Thursday, so... Nice. Yeah, so I picked up a second one through Entertainment Earth. Um, and they had free shipping on there, so we're really just adding taxes on there, right? Which, you know, by by the time you're spending 100 bucks, most places are going to give you free shipping nowadays anyway, so... Yeah. Um, so we'll see when that one gets here, but I'm just excited about that product and having something for Afterlife in hand. You know, it's finally going to happen. Um, so, yeah. but like I said, in the grand scheme of thing, man, it's all just about your reality check. Like, we're still getting that movie merchandise. Like I said, they could have easily said, hey, we're not going to ship this until next year now because the movie was delayed. And yet we're still getting it. So even if you're getting it two weeks late, is it inconvenient because you're excited about it? Yeah. Are you going to live? Well, short of something terrible fucking happening to you. Yeah, I would I would hope so. But, um, you know, just about that perspective, man. Like, But at the same time, like, this has been such a fucking weird and shitty year that, like, anything, like, right, if you're already not in a good spot mentally, like, anything like that could really just fucking bum you out, and I get it, but... I mean, there's a lot of things going on with it. There's a lot of fucking customs issues with all the stuff shipping over in here. There's a lot of manufacturing delays. Who knows? Yeah, what I myself with have that. Uh, a Scooby Doo poster and a uh, Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, like a video store poster, authentic, and a Twitter, a Twister video store poster. I have in the mail that the both have not been updated since like August twentieth or something. They just say in transit, arriving late. Yeah. It's and I'm not necessarily worried about how long they're taking at this point because they are taking a little they are taking a little long obviously but I'm more or less just hoping that they still come at some point as long as they come within the next couple months I'm not going to be that upset I just don't want them to get lost and that kind of thing because I want those things but so I know if I know it's coming it's, it's a whole other thing you know just delays are they're happening right now so you just gotta yeah. take it. I mean, and look at that. I mean, look at my Dennis Nedry figure. I got my Dennis Nedry Barbersol can figure. It shipped on July 30th. And I thought I would get it at my old address, and I'd just be able to pick it up from my roommate. But, you know, I'd done my forwarding address, so it actually forwarded it. So not only did it take an extra month to get here, it went to my old address. Then went, you know, because it shipped from damn near like the East Coast, like Indiana or something like that. It shipped from there originally, shipped out to me to my old address and then from my old address it went said it was forwarded instead of just coming a couple miles down to the new post office in town it went out to denver then went back out to kansas city and then went up to the post office and then sat up there for like a week before they attempted to deliver it or whatever else and then i wound up owing an extra eight dollars on shipping because of the ford on there um which makes no sense and it took just about a month to get that. Like, damn near 
you know, it was like 26, 25, 26 days by the time I actually was able to go to the post office and pick it up. And then the first time I went to the post office, they couldn't even find it. Like, well, let me call the carrier. So I had to talk to the supervisor, right? And the people at the post office are great. The employees are fine, right? But you just have politics meddling with the USPS, which is supposed to be a standard delivery method that's always been reliable. And none of this has gotten bullshit until the last postmaster general was put in place by the fucking Cheeto. So, yep. um, you know, that's just fucking meddling there, right? It's like, qu- quit fucking around with that stuff. Same thing with some other items, right? I had four items that hadn't updated and hadn't had any kind of item going on there, and then all of a sudden they all showed up on the same day. Yeah. So I got I, that other proton pack in the mail now, so I'm a little curious to see what happens there. And um, I also have those, uh, the new Wave 2 Back to the Future Super 7 figures from Reaction, or yeah, Super 7, that... Uh, they haven't shipped yet. I haven't got any notifications about that yet, so... Yep, and to be I honest those with you, last week sometime. That's another reason why I ordered another Spangler wand, because if they pushed that back two weeks, my shipping address through Hasbro Pulse was still my old address, and they said, you know, and they're frequently asked questions, we'll just update your shipping contact information. So I updated mm-hmm. my shipping contact information and my general profile in there to my new address, and... The pre-order item still says otherwise to ship to the old address. So I emailed Hasbro Pulse and like we're ex- we're receiving an extremely large volume of this, and this is before they delayed the the wand anyway. But they just said, dude, you know, whatever reason we're receiving a high volume of this, so don't email us more than once in this issue. We'll get to you when we get to you, basically. Yeah. So here we are, officially the first. Which now that they've delayed it, they've got time to actually correct my address. But I was just thinking back to the Dennis Nedry can. It was like. I don't want to be waiting a month for this thing to fucking ship and then to wind up owing a bunch more on shipping because they fucking had to forward it to my new address. So, yeah, I, I feel everyone's pain out there on it, but, you know, patience is there. Like, did it hurt me to not have the Dennis Nedry figure? No. Is it here now? Yeah. But was it disappointing waiting? Yeah, but it obviously didn't, like, ruin my day. I got other things positive going on in my life that you can't let some of that shit dictate your happiness. Yeah. So and then taking it out on a company, right? Who knows what kind of custom shit's going on? Because even at my work, um, we've had some equipment coming in from overseas, and a lot of it's just sitting in fucking customs. I mean that that's pretty standard, right? I mean that DVD I ordered from France probably sat in customs for two months for a DVD, a small package, before it finally yeah. got delivered. So it's not just the USPS on that for some of the stuff coming from overseas. And who knows where Hasbro Pulse is actually shipping from, right? Some of these other places may have had the distribution deliveries for their large orders go directly to them, to their shipping. So if that went to, obviously, from China to L.A. or just California in general to some of those distribution centers, they may have been able to ship them out immediately ahead of the the, the pre-date. And if Hasbro's not shipping from California, shipping from somewhere else, they could have been dealing with USPS delays stateside once that stuff got here and so they could be dealing with the same stuff we're all dealing with so i mean until you know the whole story on it right it's disappointing but it doesn't do you any good to go be an asshole and like yell at companies right ultimately like you just look like a fucking prick when you do that you look like you have no compassion or fucking care about anybody but yourself in the world and that's not what we need this year well on that note we are at the two-hour and ten-minute mark. Yep. So I hope everyone I has think an excellent we will. week. Yeah. 
let's get some positivity in here, right? Yeah, some positivity, man. Like we have. Some You're fucking amazing- getting new Ghostbusters toys in the mail. Be positive about it. There's shit. There's a new Ghostbusters fucking movie. Ghostbusters motherfucking three, essentially. Yes. Like fucking Ghostbusters three. Holy's terrible. We can get night. through this shit. We've got all, and who knows what kind of cool shit they're gonna announce at the end of September. But all I want to say is, let's make September a month to remember for this year. Let's make it a good month. We're gonna get these Spangler ones this month in September. Let's focus on the positivity of finally having that first piece of merch in hand. We're probably gonna get Halloween those fucking season. Tully's terrible night next week or next month. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of awesome stuff coming, right? We're approaching Halloween season, September 1st officially. Oh, and happy birthday to Extreme Ghostbusters, which premiered on September 1st, 1997. Round of applause for that. Yep. I, uh, big fan of Extreme Ghostbusters here, as you may or may not know, so. Yeah. Just don't go full on Green Day and ask to be woken up at the end of September, because September you're going to get some cool shit. And if you, if you sleep through all of September, you're not going to see this Hasbro Pulse con and see what kind of cool shit they might have available. And I would say level set expectations, right? We know that there's a snafu here with this ordering. Knowing that ordering directly from the manufacturer may be a little cumbersome, but in the end, you're going to get your product that you pay for. So keep on the lookout for that, and we will talk to you kids next week. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Party on. Shut this off. Shut these all off.